Yo, 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 Just Chats, back at it again with another episode with someone who has reached out to me to come on board, so super excited, I'm interested to see what he's going to share with us. So, guest, who are you? I'm Craig Birrell, I'm the owner of the EDI Group here in Victoria, and Tom Owen, I'm co-founder of Tom Owen Hawk Catering. Tom Owen Hawk, what's, the, what's, that, what's all that about? Oh, dude. Oh, I should have invited you yesterday. Hey. <laughs> so we do um, pretty much barbecuing on a giant scale. Oh, what? Yeah, so we have our meat flown in from Cape Grim in Tasmania. Um, yeah, we had custom grill made, just been finished. We have a swinging artesian grill. Um, yeah, so we light fires. This was a burn off yesterday to cook it in. Oh my god! Yeah, we specialise in um, yeah pretty big chunks of meat, uh, marbling of Angus ribs. What? I that is very good news. All right, sick. All right, that's sick. Okay, we'll get started. Um, we'll go all the way back. Tell us about growing up and uh, your family life. Right. Well, growing up, I grew up locally. Grew up out in Mount Shank. Uh, my parents were dairy farmers. Mm-hmm. They bought their first dairy farm back in the oh, late eighties. I think it was ninety, maybe. Um, and then mum found out she was pregnant with the best thing that ever happened in her life for me. Beautiful. And then, yeah, my parents were farmers for uh, about 17, 18 years and dad decided one day it wasn't the direction he was going to go in or, you know, the writing on the wall, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Sold his farms and went into, um, he bought a truck and a bobcat and some other stuff and went and started doing just small earth moving and backyards and, yeah. All right. Um, so dairy farming, did you help out on the farm as a youngster? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So when I was youngster, I, yeah, helped, used to help dad all the time. I had to go on to school. Um, it was apparent pretty early in my schooling career that uh, school and me weren't going to be friends for that long. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I used to help dad, used to feed calves, go and feed our hay with dad all the time. And then um, as I got older, I ended up working on dairy farms on and off and yeah. Jeez. All right. So where, where schooling, I'm guessing you go to like Alnau? No, no, no. So uh, I went to St. Martin's Kindy and then went to Ready Park Primary and then Mount High to Year 9. So I finished Year 9? Finished like No, I no. didn't finish Year 9. No. I actually ended up with a uh, very rare leukemia called Burkitt lymphoma. And then at the end of Year 9, there, um, it was more important to be um, spend some time in hospital than going to school. Jesus Christ, there's the bomb. Oh, we got a bomb already. All right, so, okay, we'll stick back on the farm life. So growing up on a yep. farm... Yep. What have you, obviously, did your friends grow up on farms? Like, did you, was it just you and your family on the farm or did you go out and like, tell us about literally farm life. Right, pretty much farm life. Um, we had dairy dairy cows. Yep. So dad, about where I can start remembering stuff, dad had a little farm. It was on the 130 acres, 140 acres from memory. Um, back then wasn't a small farm. Um, had you know, a couple hundred cows. And then as he, you know, pr- progressed to build a bigger dairy and got more cows, hired staff. And then just, yeah, it was Pretty good. We had motorbikes, horses, all the stuff normal farm kids have. Um, yeah, you got to do some pretty cool things. Got to see, you know, the facts of life, how things are progressed, and yeah, pretty good really. I wouldn't trade my upbringing for the world. My friends, some of my friends had farms. Some lived in town. It was yeah, pretty good mix of people. So would you wake up like when you were when your dad would go and does he did he milk them? I'm guessing. Yeah, so dad used to go and get them about three three thirty in the morning, depending on the weather. If it was you know, obviously their farmers are good good at the weather. Uh, they'd, yeah, he'd go and get the cows and sometimes it was school holidays, whatever, I'd go with him. Sometimes not. Sometimes I'd, you know, get out of bed whenever you do when you were a kid and you'd get in the dairy and wash the yard down for your pocket money or, you know, whatever, whatever you, whatever dad wanted you to do really. Yep. Yep. So 
man, I've, I've actually, <clears throat> funnily enough, I've been in my recommended YouTube, uh, uh, I guess, recommendation, well, that was shit, recommended YouTube videos. There's this guy called the Hoof GP, and I've learned that uh, cows can get some serious, pretty, like, some pretty serious abscesses in their hooves and stuff. Yep. Yep. Is that it? Did you experience that sort of shit? Yeah, yeah. So when, not so much with my dad, because dad was, you know, dad was used to get the vet to do a lot of stuff like that. Um, yeah, they do get abscesses in their feet. They're usually just a, it's a fatty cell or a disruption in the in the, in the cow's hoof. Um, they drill them out, cut them out. Sometimes they fill them up, fill them up with like a slastic sort of solution. Other times it can be fixed by just pretty much cutting the bottom of the hoof out and letting them drain. It really just comes down to when the cow's hoof's damaged, obviously they're walking through mud and shit and everything in the dairy yard and laneways, and that's where they get the um, infection from. It's just, but just bacterial infection. I did not know, like, like the, yeah, like I was saying, this YouTube channel dude, he literally just goes from, like, farm to farm and, like, yeah. clips them. And yep. then if they're fucked, he'll, like, give it a treatment and stuff. And I was yeah. like, shit. Yeah. All right, so what, what were some big lef- lessons that you learned living out on the farm? Oh, it's amazing what you can fix if you think about it. Um, and you know probably one of the best things my old man taught me my dad taught me Robert was um, if you pull it apart you can probably put it back together and if you've got a few spare parts well that's just weight reduction I like that I like that a lot is he is he still around yeah Bob's still around Bob's in his late 60s now mid to late 60s yep Um, he yeah still drives drives a truck and bobcat around still works for me a few days a week Um, pretty hard to stop him whoa 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 hold on he works for you yeah, so dad has his own business. Okay, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, if one, two or three days a week, he contracts to me and does oh, whatever I need to do. Yeah. So wow. Bob does anything for me. So we do anything from demolition of houses up to last week we were carting uh, dry firewood out of uh, Dismal Swamp area to sell this week to our customers. Holy shit. Yep. So how did you get into the moving shit and fucking shit up industry? <laughs> the arborist industry? <laughs> Um, well, oh, how far do you want to go back? Well, man, like I, I have not, like, I don't even know that's an, like, obviously I know it's a thing, but how do you get into that? Um, dumb luck. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, we go back right to the start. I, my parents saw their farm. I ended up getting pretty sick there for a while. Went from out of hospital. It was either we, you're old enough now, I was 15, 16, you can go to work or go back to school. Well, it's never really any good at school because I couldn't concentrate. Mm-hmm. Later years, we found out that that wasn't because I was a troubled kid or anything like that. It was because it wasn't quick enough for me. I couldn't learn quick enough. So, okay. yeah, um, that was a hard one for mum to swallow. And dad was, dad was always my biggest candidate, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess I worked here on farms for a while. And then I had a bit of a dream to go and drive a header and some big cropping equipment up in New South Wales. And I was lucky enough to find a farmer that would teach me how to drive a, um, a header and how to strip wheat and all this. Um, and I went and spent oh, probably four or five months working with him and then ended up coming back here after I finished. That was a seasonal job, obviously. Come back here and then potted around for a bit and had jobs and find out what I sort of wanted to do. I was only young and then moved to Warnable. And then that's where being an arborist came into the job, I suppose. Um, yeah, so I met some dudes from Melbourne that were arborists and sort of just started hanging out with them and next thing you know I'm going to school I'm going to there's actually colleges designed just for trees are you for real yeah so there's one I did mine at was Arbitrim in Melbourne um I'm not sure if they exist anymore um they yeah so I spent two years two three or four days a month going to school to learn about the biological side of trees dismantling trees different breeds how to you know tell 
different trees from one another, um, all the aspects. So I'm actually a climbing arborist. Um, so there's a unit based on that of how to climb, rigging, knots, uh, everything you can possibly imagine to keep you in the tree and not falling out of it. Um, yeah. I'm actually amazed right now. I had no idea that existed. Yep. Holy shit. All right. So, okay. Well, first question there is when you go to arbor school, I'm going to call it, do you have to do like projects and stuff? No. So you've got homework. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, your homework is a folder about an inch thick every time. Fuck. And you must complete it. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise it's pretty much on... You, when you get back to school, you don't get graded on that, which means you don't go to your next module. So there's 18 units in the module we do, and that ranges from working out of elevated work platforms. Um, there's different sorts of arborists. There's ground-based EWP, which is boom lifts, yep. and climbing. Climbing's top of the food chain because it's obviously the most physical, the hardest, and most dangerous. Um, but, yeah. Do that's... you get to, like, choose which one you want to be? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you can just be a ground-based arborist. So, like, if you want to be, say, a landscaper but you want a bit more knowledge to knock over say you know some bit bigger trees around houses and power lines it yeah it just gives you the um just gives you the terminology how to do it different cuts safety rigging that sort of stuff i i can't believe that that's cool all right we'll go right back to when you're a kid anyway so when you want to, what we fucking hell <laughs> when you were a kid what did you want to be when you were growing up i wanted to be a doctor as in like a people doctor? Yeah, yeah, I want to be a people doctor. So I always said, this as far as I can remember, my mum will probably correct me when she hears this, I wanted to be a doctor. Um, then a good old nine months in Women's and Children's Hospital, I decided oh, I, didn't, I didn't want to be a hospital. I didn't yep. want to be in a hospital or a doctor every year of my life. Yep. Um, even now when I have to go to hospital, it's usually an ambulance ride because I can let it get that bad. Um, and... Yeah, I didn't really know what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a farmer. And then, you know, as we know, the farm industry went downhill real quick mm, back mm. when probably 10 years ago now, and that wasn't the industry. And then, I don't know, I was probably at 21, 22. I was a little bit older and my lifestyle was sort of established. I didn't really want to be, you know, going to get an apprenticeship. So I ended up, you know, having good jobs or factory jobs or, you know, good paying jobs, but just didn't know what I wanted to do. And then Pretty much when I started hanging out with these guys that were arborists and they're showing me like these photos and stuff they do and oh well, you know, we, we we need a bloke tomorrow to come, you know, drag sticks to the chipper and chip stuff. Do you want to do it? We'll give you we'll give you some cash for helping us. I'm like, Oh well I was on days off from my job. I'm like, Yeah, sure, no worries. Yeah, yep. And then um after a few days I'm like, Teach me to climb a tree. He's like, Oh, hang on, put the brakes on, mate. You've got a, a bit of a distance between here and there. And then yeah, just happened and then yeah. So I used to work my factory job and study. And I started my own business all at the same time. So I used to work four days on, four days off for a, uh, well, it was Murray Goulburn. I'm not sure what's called now in Croy, the milk factory. Mm-hmm. I used to be a warehouse one, warehouse two. Um, I'm not going to say supervisor, but like managing loads and logistics and okay. packing lines and stuff like that. Yep, yep. Making sure the boxes are up there. Um, yeah, and then I guess as time went on, it became clear that I didn't want to be in a factory because I didn't like being inside all the time. That's the only excuse I could to wash a forklift, even though I hate washing forklifts. And then, um, yeah, it just, my boss sat me down one day. He goes, you got to choose what you want to do. You either want to, I had my first excavator then. That was a 30-ton Samsung. And then he goes, you got to choose what you want to do. Do you want to go and push trees over and dig dams and all this stuff, or do you want to work here? I'm like, well, I said to him, Ozzy, I'm like, don't make me choose that, mate. And then... Yeah, a month later, it was goodbye. and You made your choice. And let's, and let's give this a kick and see if it actually works. All right. So, man, there's 
there's a lot I've got to unpack here because there's so much going up. This is kind of cool. There's a bit of packaging. All right. So we'll go to school. So primary school, you went to Reedy. Is that right? Yep. Yep. So how did you find your junior primary or primary school experience? It was pretty good. Um, I don't remember a whole lot of it, as most kids don't. Um, Yeah, it was pretty good. Had some good mates. I'm still some of them still friends with now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, probably as as we said before the podcast, I had a teacher there that I thought was an old dragon then. And she only retired three or four years ago. Yep. Yep. And it's like, wow, like these teachers are hardcore. Yeah, some, the, the old ones, they're, they're in for it. And, like, and as we were saying before, I don't, I can see a lot of teachers currently at the moment, they only do three, four, five years, and then that's enough for yeah. them. So the fact that people are doing 35, 40 year careers mm. uh, in the teaching field, I don't know if my hat's off to them or they just literally don't know what else to do, but. Mm. And that, that's a whole different can of worms. Um, so what, what were you good at at school? What did you enjoy doing? Uh, I was pretty much only good at things I could touch. So if it, was, if it come to sport, I was really good at that, but I didn't like running. So that kind of that kind of failed me for everything <laughs> yeah. else. Um, me mates would be playing football. And I'd be like, oh, I shot a rabbit on the weekend. Um, that was about that. Um, I was pretty good at math, science, um, like woodwork, all that sort of stuff. So I could touch, feel, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Bookwork. Like your literacy and um, English and so, so, yeah, I wasn't that great at that. I can, as far as I was concerned, I could spell, read, and write. That was, you know, that was all I needed to do in life. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to write a novel because you'd have three endings in a start. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So, did you see, like, looking back now, do you think, so you, oh, sorry, we'll go into high school. So, you went to high school, yeah? Yep. Went yep. to Mount? Yep, Mount High, yeah. Yeah, and how did you find that? Um, didn't like it. I used to get picked on a bit because I was pretty chubby when I was little. Okay. So, um, like now I'm six foot and 90 kilos. I used to be about five foot, obviously, four, four and a half foot, five foot and 90 kilos. Yep, yep, yep. So I used to get picked on a bit. But, um, other than that, you know, it was pretty good. Like, it was the same deal. Like, I wasn't that great at SOS and that sort of thing. I wasn't great at home studies, nothing like that. Um, I was always good at cooking. Um, it was usually, there's only three boys in the class and that was usually one of me. Um, it's good at woodwork, metalwork, plastics, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it come, as I said, like I only really went to oh, three quarters way through year nine and pulled the pin, um, yeah. and that was yeah, that was about it. Did you find looking back now? Do you you know? Do you think the whole schooling was important? Or it sounds like, I mean, this is my I guess uh, stereotype, but I think the farmers of the world don't really need school. No, would you agree? Yep, I totally agree on that. I I think. There's some people, if you want a career that's a doctor, a lawyer, a scientist, you know that, you've got to follow the pathway, get year 12, get your subjects in line, you know, do your says, do everything you have to do to get to the uni you want to be in, then progress to your, you know, your diploma, PhDs, what you want to do. And that's, you know, everyone's got their vision of success and what they want to do, and that's perfectly okay. Your vision might not be my vision, but my vision was just, no, no, I just, I guess I didn't have one really back then. You know, I didn't really have the goal of what I wanted to do, so I didn't have the thing that, I need to do this to aspire to that. So, yeah, yeah. Saying, you know how you said that you find found it hard to learn and I guess concentrate. Did yep. your did the parents or the school accommodate to you, or did they just say, you know, not, not sweep you under the rug, but not give yep. you the attention that you needed? I, uh, I think back in that day, there wasn't enough uh, knowledge about kids like that. Yep. I think definitely, you know, I went to school. They were talk, going back 15, 16 years there plus, mm. you know, maybe twenty years ago. Mm. Um, God, I sound old now. Um, it's, I don't think the knowledge was there for teachers to be able to spot kids that didn't have a learning difficulty or didn't have, you know, mental health or anything like that. They were just, you know, the, the kids, like, you, you know, your son or your daughter's a little bit slow or something like that. You know, I don't think it was there, but 
as far as that goes, I think my parents knew, my dad especially knew that from being a farmer himself, I don't, I think he knew that I had the skills to, you know, pretty much fix the fuck-ups. Yeah. And mum was sort of, you know, I suppose from mum's, you know, a few years younger than dad, only a couple of years, was sort of, you know, um, you need to get an education to get somewhere in like the world we're coming into these days, which is, I agree, is totally correct. Yep. But you still need the farmers of the world. Oh, 100%. The, yep. the world stops if there's no farmers. Exactly. <sighs> okay, so then all right, we'll, we'll go into this. So year nine's happened. Yep. Tell me, tell me, you've started year nine. Give us, give us your year nine rundown. Oh, God. Uh, started year nine. I had a couple of my mates in my home, home group, which is pretty good because everyone usually gets split up after year eight. So they work out who bounces off who and who causes trouble. Yep. Um, we had Mr. T for our home group teacher. He's still today teaching at Mount Height. He's probably a single most legendary teacher I ever had. <laughs> um, but yeah, normal school, nothing really happened. Then about middle of the year, come back from holidays and I was just getting a bit sick, like I had a flu or I had, you know, something not quite right. And went to doctors a few times, this and that. Then after, oh, I'm going to say probably the middle of the third term, roughly, we, I got sick. Um, a couple of my teeth in my back, like the back, like your molars came loose and went down to the, the dentist and he's like, oh, yep, you know, you're a bit young, but you're, with some teeth coming through early, it's not unusual, but it's rare. Like, you know, it does happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and, you know, as the family dentist, you know, mum and dad believe him sort of thing. I'm not saying he wasn't right. And then um, all my teeth came loose. You wobble all your teeth. And then, and mum's like, mum hit the shit button then and we went to the we went to the hospital a few times so I had stomach pains, had just random bits of, you know, oddness. And um, went to the hospital a few times. I don't remember how much in the next two, three weeks. And then mum made a booking a, a doctor that wasn't our family doctor. It was just where mum could get me into because I was like literally on the ground crying in pain half the time. And this doctor says, like, oh, he's only new out of uni. He goes, oh, we'll give you a blood test. You know, something's not right. And they've given you a lot of tablets and drugs and medicines and, and shit to, you know, fix this. And they goes, I want to make sure your kidneys aren't playing up because you're looking a little bit yellow. Uh, oh, fucking you know, hell. I was only fifth. I was 14 then, nearly 15. And then, yeah, so got the blood test back. And I remember, I'm like, I'm absolutely terrified of needles. Absolutely terrified. Same camp, mate. I hate them. Sorry, yeah, keep going. I've got tattoos, but I'm absolutely scared of, scared of needles. Um, they, I remember mum's like, no, nah, you can go now. You're not good. I'm like, no, nah, mum, I'm pretty sure we can go tomorrow. Like, we got to go home and cook tea. Like, dad be hungry soon. <laughs> <laughs> and mum was like, no, no, we're going now. they take a minute. So mum wheeled me down to the, um, the, the uh, blood stealers. And um, next thing you know, I'm crying because there's a needle in my arm. And then uh, it was about four or five hours later. Yeah, um, lady, this is back in the day when you had an answering machine at the house. You'd have to answer your phone calls. You, you were rich then. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> now, now, now you just get sucked into answering them. Um, she, yeah, uh, come across the voice thingy of, you know, this is such and such from Mount Gambier Hospital. We'd like to bring your son in immediately. We're going to life flight in Adelaide. We, we, something's wrong and we're not sure. We'd like to talk to you about it. And, oh, yeah, okay, cool. And, Mum wasn't the best of news, obviously. Um, so mum and dad took me up to the hospital. I don't remember what time this was. It was late. Oh, by now it would have been. I'm not sure what time it was now. Um, set up there and they said, oh, look, he's either, he, we think he's got a blood virus and we're going to take him up to Adelaide because he needs to have some testing. We're not able to do it here, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Dad's like, oh, well, I'll you know, go and fill the, I think mum and dad are statesmen then, go and fill the statesmen up and come back and pick you up. They're like, no, no, no. He's not getting out of that bed. We're going to carry him everywhere. His blood is that low. He should not be conscious. So the hemoglobins and red blood cells in my thing were below what my height should be for being conscious standing up. 
Jesus so Christ. So from the second I walked in there, they literally whisked me in a wheelchair and carried me to a bed. And then um, I'm sitting there going, fuck, I might die. This doesn't feel so good all of a sudden. There's like three machines hooked up to me. Mum's nearly in tears. I'm like, shit, this might be bad. And then, um, yeah, they took me to the hospital, took me out to the airport. There's an angel flight sitting there. I'm like, and we donate a boatload to them now. Um, took me out of Adelaide and... What was it that night about seven o'clock? I think we got to Adelaide, me and mum. Um, so that is, I'm terrified of flying too. That is the best plane ride I've ever had. You do not feel them leave the tarmac or land on it. It's great. Um, so hats off to those pilots. Thank you. Um, and yeah, got into hospital and next day they come in after taking out probably half the blood from my body. <laughs> was um, yep, you've um, got Burkitt B cell lymphoma. And they said, you know, you can we can talk about it, have have a process of it. You know, you need to think about this seriously. And me being dumb and or young and dumb was, how long do I have to live if I don't have it? Oh, about two weeks. It is very in touch with your entire body. It's in your blood and spinal fluid. Okay. How like as you've just said, you know, it's not like when did it really click? Like this is like a chronic. I'm I'm not in a good place right now. No, it's not chronic. You're going to die if I don't do something. Like there's two weeks left. I couldn't even eat at this point. They were feeding me with a tube. When my teeth were loose, I couldn't eat. I would let you eat, and within a minute, there would be double amount come up. They don't know where it was coming from. <laughs> so what's what's going through? Okay, obviously your parents would be distraught. Like oh, oh you, yeah, definitely. Uh, and how how do you feel though? Like as someone that's like, because like okay, I don't know if the listeners can relate, but that's never like happened to me. No, like, it's pretty how, rare. How, how does that, how do you, like, that's a pain or, like, a feeling that I, yeah. fingers crossed, yep. I'll never have to deal with. It's, so, I like, think what, it, like, what it, prepared, it, it prepared me for so much later in life that we'll cover, but it, I don't really remember a lot of what I said or done, but what I do remember is, like you said, my parents were pretty like, what the fuck? Mm. Like, I'd never been sick my whole life except for a couple of cars. I think I broke my wrist a couple of times. That was about it. And then, um, yeah, never had stitches, nothing to that point. Um, and then all of a sudden, they're like, your kid's going to die if you don't make a decision. And then um, even though your parents make a decision for you because you're not 18 yet, yeah. I said, you know, mum goes, what do you want to do? I'm like, well... You know, I'm looking at them and I'm looking at these. There's these three doctors that are very well dressed, obviously high up in their field. And um, one of them actually eventually become good friends of my family. Um, Dr. Tom, he uh, later played a big part in me not dying in intensive care. But um, yeah, um, made a decision to have treatment. And literally it was, oh, so do we wait a few days? We don't have, no, we're doing it now. We'll put the order in now. You'll have your chemo today. We, 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 his, his words were, we don't have time. Holy shit. And it's like, Oh, I said nothing about blood work. As far as I was concerned, it was blue in there and red when it came out. That was about all I knew about blood. And then, yeah, over the next nine months, I probably know more about blood than most people. Um, I know more about vitamins and levels and hemoglobins and white blood cells and everything else in your blood that you ever want to know um, and how important it is to how you feel. But um, had a lot of injections and I actually had a... They, I was unstable when I got there, obviously, so they weren't going to have to knock me out because my body wouldn't come back from being knocked out. Yep. So I had, I would say, hundreds of intravenous lines, needles put in every three days because they leave me in for three days and they're called whatever, so they take them out and put another one in. Problem is when they do that continually, it crushes the veins in your arms. So there's permanent marks in my arms from where I used to have them. 
Um, they had them in my legs, arms, feet, you name them. Anyway, you find a vein, they'd be in there. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty sick when you're uh, not even 15, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, eventually when I was stable enough, they did surgery, put a pick line in, which is just like a little bit of, um, I used to call it fish tank hose. I'm not actually sure what it is. It comes out of the, top, the middle of your bicep on your left or right arm, goes around to your arterial flow in your heart. Um, and that's just like a permanent IV line. And they pretty much just, yeah, put a plastic pad over it and wrap it up when you're not using it. And when you're using it, they wrap it up. And, yeah, but here's the creepiest thing. When treatment's over, you're going home, you get a cuddle and a handshake, whatever else they do. They just um, cut the little stitch and pull it out. It's about two feet long. I've still got it today. I don't know where it went my body. It's about two feet long. Yeah. It's okay. So, man, so how old were you? You were 15. 15, 16. 15. I was just before I was 15 was when I got told if you don't do something, you will be you won't see 15. They were adamant. It was it was just after Christmas that this uh, this whole this whole system happened. Um, yeah, it was. Oh, I think it was about two or three weeks from my birthday. So my birthday's in January. Um, and yeah, they pretty much said you'd be lucky to see your birthday if you don't if you don't do something Fucking now. Hell, man. And my parents were obviously you know. They never knew what was wrong. They did everything they could to try and find out what was wrong. And, you know, my dad's, you know, my dad's old school. Like, you know, you go to work if you're sick. You go to work if you lose your arm. You, you know, you just work. That's how you get somewhere. That's how that era was. Mm-hmm. If you want something, you work and you keep working until it happens or you just die, one or the other. Um, and my dad himself spends through charges in his life like that. But, yeah, it's, it's odd. It's an odd feeling to put it down to a perspective of what does it feel like. It's odd. Nothing I've ever felt before or after, but um, I don't want to feel it again. i got two questions. So what, in that whole treatment and whatnot process, what yep. hurt the most? Probably the mental damage because it doesn't really affect me now because obviously you get over it, you accept it, you move on from it, and bits of your life as you go through, you go, I can let go of that now, um, which I've been good at. And it always sticks with you that I came... Well, I did die at one stage and I was resuscitated, but it it comes down, I think, to you've just got to keep going. You just, you, you just like, for me, quitting's never been an option. I don't, I think when you're faced with something like that, I'm the only son left in the entire family of Beryl's. Um, I've got to do something. I can't just let it go out like this. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, pretty happy. Made the right choice, obviously, but... Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it for a holiday trip. And when did you, did, was there a time or a moment when you felt like the treatment was working? Like, um, like not as yeah, like, no, oh, the I'm next day you. I'm out fucking no, running no, a marathon. No, no, I'm with you, I'm with you. I was just thinking, what the hell does that fucking mean about this? So, yeah, um, when they give you a first dose, they just have in three or four days, if your hair doesn't come loose or you don't show certain blood markers, it's not working. And if it doesn't work, they usually give you, I think it's one or two more doses. And if it doesn't work, you just go home. That's it. You go home and you come back when we'll make you comfortable. Pretty much about it. Um, so I'm having my first one. I remember day two and three, I'm, laying in, I'm just laying in this fucking big air bed. So it's like a hospital bed, but way better. So it's like a big lazy boy. And you're sitting there. I remember I was watching... I was watching TV. My mum was sitting next to me and dad was, I'm not sure where dad was. Dad was there. I don't know where he was. I think he was getting coffee or something like that. Anyway, I was sitting there and, you know, you can't get a bit of pee. you got pee bottles. They yeah. won't, and if you got to go for number two, they nurse that you carries you there, sits there, turns her back, and you're like, 
this is awkward. Like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, they like yeah, you know, all your normal life still goes on. You still shower, still eat. Um, and then um, it was the second day. I'm like, I grab a bit of my hair, and it's like, oh, that's not coming out. It's not even remotely loose. So you get a bit of a yank, and oh, fuck. Third day, it's like, well, I did say three or four days, and um. Thankfully, fourth day started falling out. The whole lot came out within about... So you have an option. The nurses will shave your head for you, so it's not like a big trauma thing. Or I used to have um, curly-ish blonde hair. Yep. And it came back this fucking brown colour. Um, so I decided, no, nah, I'm going to leave my hair. And then for the next week, it was pulling it out of my freaking pillow on my mouth for the next... Yep. After that, I'd let them shave it or pull it or pull it off. I don't know what I did. I think I got in the shower and just... Kept rubbing my head, and eventually most of it came out. But um, yeah, different. I wouldn't recommend it at all. Nah, uh, but you, you you learn a bit more about yourself. Like I learn, I always thought when I was younger, when I'm older, I'll be one of these blokes that has like the pointed beard and a bald head because that'll just that I don't know where I got the image from, but that'll be like I'll be up there. I'll be like I'll be like a ten out of ten. There's some pretty gnarly dents in your cranium and like bumps and stuff on your head when you shave your head. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> Apparently there is. Fucking hell. Yeah, and your head's extremely white too. Is it really? Well, it gets no sunlight. Oh, that's yeah, true. Like, shit. Yeah, li- literally, there was like a permanent, like, bikey tan line mark. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. All right, I'm, I'm sure we'll get more into that later, but bloody hell. So, your whole schooling experience, obviously, do you find what you learned important or did you find, you know, other areas more important? Well, you didn't really have an option. You just you just left, didn't you? Oh, so what was it? Leave or die. To, yeah, fuck, <laughs> it was okay. no choice. But I did. Uh, as a whole, school was good. I think school is good. Like you know, you've got, in my theory. So you know, don't anyone hate me for this. School is good to get your your basics down, like your math, your theory, your writing, your understanding of how the basic world works as far as literacy and math and everything goes. Yep. But I think if you if you or your parents have a you know that there's a there's not what you're going to do in life isn't going to need to have that year twelve or anything like that. Don't worry, I've hired some. I've hired people that haven't even finished year eight and nine, and they're some of the best ones I've ever had. Yep, yep, yeah. I fully agree. I think like academics isn't for everyone. Like, yep. I mean, I'm sure I couldn't cut a tree down. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not that's not my thing. And and the fact yep. that there's people that can do it, hats off to them. Like, yeah. And I I even say to kids now, it's like. Like they say, why do we have to learn Japanese, Mike? You, well, actually, you don't. you don't. Like, it's literally just the curriculum. Yeah. But um, it's that's just unfortunately you don't have that choice yet. But you know, when yep. you become year nine, year ten, you can have that option to leave. But you can either be a piece of shit that does nothing, or you can yep. go find and do something you want to do. So I think everyone's got their own power to change it. Like we live, I don't think I'm not going to say we live in a country where there's millions of opportunities. But I think if you've got a passion for something and you're good at it. Sooner or later, if you keep doing it, something will happen. Yep. And whether it's, you know, it's on the side or it's, you know, something you're doing and your boss knows about it or something, if you want to make it happen, you can make it happen. It's just it's just not stopping, not quitting and going the right way about it. And I'll be honest, I've made plenty of mistakes in my career, but if you make them in good judgment, well, it's just a lesson. That's 100%. So I guess what would have been, like, if there was one thing that you wish you knew before you started fucking shit up, mm. what would it be? Um, nothing really. I'm pretty happy how I went about the whole thing. So I originally just wanted to be me and me mate and that was it. Just work ourselves and I was happy just doing that. And then I don't know what happened. It just blew up. 
know. When when was the when did it okay, when did it blow up? What what happened? About three years ago. Um I don't know what happened. Your phone just started ringing and never stopped. That, that's it. And then now we I I still don't know how it happens. I, I, a lot of like I've had I've heard people say, Oh, he's successful because of this. No, I'm not. You didn't see the fucking four years of fucking tears and hard work I put in. Mm. And yeah. Um I don't know, I wouldn't blow up. No idea. Not <laughs> a clue. It just happened. And then one day I remember sitting in my office, I'm looking at the board in front of me, yeah. I remember I actually rang one of my good friends, my best friend. We've been friends since kindy. And you go, How the fuck did this happen? And he's like, I don't know. I've been telling you for a while. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome though. Like I oh, yeah, I don't even how do, how do you how do, I don't even like I'm trying to think how does how do people need stuff taken out or removed? But obviously there's a need for it, isn't there? No, well, see, it's not just that. So there's a few sections of our business, but the tree the tree section is the biggest of it. We don't just do removals or stump grinding and stuff like that, stump removals, that sort of stuff. Um like for example, we're the company that removed Elm Lane at the race course. Oh. Yeah, so we teamed up. We got we, we won tender, and we teamed up with Fennel Logging and another logging company, Mount Gambia, that asked not to be presented in doing the job. Um, and we won the contract, removed them all. They were actually mostly rotten. Um, they were hollow. Most of them were hollow. Um, they'd reached their life expectancy, and someone had to do it, and they put tender out. They choose the most suitably qualified people, and we're at the top of the list, apparently. Jesus. I've never thought of myself as being, like, good or the best or anything like that because I've worked with people that make me, like, a kindergarten student. And by no means I say I'm a bad arborist. I'm I'm really good. But the – I think to have someone say, oh, we chose you because this, it's like, shit, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a humbling moment when someone asks for you specifically. It's like, all right, yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, have you ever like marketed yourself, or is it just been word of mouth? Yeah. So, to start with, it was word of mouth. It was um, I wasn't planning on buying trucks and chippers and excavators. It wasn't the plan. Um, my big goal was to probably buy a big tipping trailer, a new U, and probably a little tip truck. That was about it. And then that was probably that was probably what I was going to go for. I was going to make some good money, and you know, live a good life. That was yep. that was probably the plan. And I don't know, another tree company in our area sort of kicked the bee's nest, I suppose you'd say. And I went, hmm, fuck this. And word of mouth got around that I well, I was qualified and I was doing it not cheap, but just doing it for what I thought was a good price. Um, it was only me and my mate, so it wasn't like we had massive overheads. Later to find out I was ripping myself off massively. But um, yeah, then it come down to, I think my dad said, you got to buy a truck and a chipper because you... Our burn pile out the farm was like, it was like, I, I'm not going to exaggerate, it was like Bunnings. It was big. <laughs> and like, you know, we're cutting down whole gum trees and it was like 15 loads in the, in the um, tandem axle trailer I had and it was like, you know, handed in, handed out. It was, it was a lot of work. Um, then you'd cut up all the wood for the customer. It was a lot of work. And then um, <clears throat> I remember bought my first chipper, which I still have now. That thing will has cost me more than it's worth, but I would never sell it. Um, so that's a... 18-inch capacity, we can pretty much feed entire small trees into it and just spit some out as mulch. I remember the first day coming back of the truck from Queensland, um, we unloaded it and there were some logs out of the farm and we chucked a few in and just 
that just disappeared in a heartbeat into Chip. That was like, oh, I've made the right choice. <sighs> then, yeah, I bought a little truck, little Hino, and then I've still got that one too. That's currently got a blown head gasket. And um, bought more trucks since then. Now we've got the orange one, the bright orange truck that everyone knows. Around Mount Gambia, they're riding all over it. And, yeah. The rest is history. Yeah. Jesus Christ. All right, so what, is, what have been, like, the best resources then that have helped you in your, in your career? Probably my dad for when I was... You mean people that along the way? Aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Probably along the way, my dad, from when I was younger, instilling in me, you just don't quit, you just don't stop, and if you want it, you'll you'll do it. Like you just just keep going. Um, probably another one would be Brett and James. Um, he ring him any time of day and night. He'll give me advice. I ask him questions or about anything at all, and he'll tell me his honest opinion. And he's a pretty prominent and known businessman in Mount Gambia. Mm-hmm. Um, Done plenty of work for him. He gets me into quite work for him. It's yeah, I buy all our concrete sleepers and concrete off him. So it's a bit of a two way street. And then um, that's that's about it really. It's just the rest is I've had other companies on the way. Like one of my other good friends, Barney, he owns a company in Victoria. Does a lot of tree work, and he's just he sort of every now and again we'll ring each other and just dribble shit. And oh, by the way, what do you think of this? Nah, just step away from it. Don't bother doing that. You'll you end up in a world of trouble. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now. We take, um, every now and again, he gets too much work for his guys. He's got, you know, 30-odd staff. Um, I've got all this work on, and one day I come to the solution, I'm like, well, we had about a, a roughly about a week gap here. And he's like, well, what's your week rate? And I told him, and he goes, why don't you come over here for the week? Come work for us in Apollo Bay. I'm like, we're there. So I told my staff, we, we, we work in Robe and Court and everywhere else. We go to Robe every month or two, and next minute we're in Apollo Bay. We're, you know, staying in back in the mountains at this, at this lady's bed and breakfast where we were working. Um, yeah, just life's great. I, I, I tell people all the time, like, looking back, I'm happy I went down this path. Yes, it takes a big toll on your body and everything else, but I don't know. It just, it's cool. The stuff we get to see, it's, yeah. Okay, so... I don't know the machinery and stuff, but what's like been the biggest or like the biggest, like what, what can fuck up in your job? Oh, absolutely everything. So you've got, uh, last year we were just literally, we're leaving Robe. One of my customers in Robe I've had for a couple of years. Um, he rings me up. You're in Robe. I'm just walking out of his daughter's pastry shop and he's looking at me from across the road in his cruiser. And I went, yes, clearly I'm looking at you. Oh, Okay. Can you come out of the house, knock a couple of trees on your way home? I'm looking, I'm looking at my phone. It's like 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, really wanted to be home by 12. It's Friday. Yep. And then he, I looked, looked at the guys. They're like, yeah, fine, whatever. Go to his house. <clears throat> Fuck-ups always happen on Fridays. Okay. Yeah. That's why we call it Fuck-up Friday. Yeah, makes sense. Um, I've, also got, oh, I've also got terrible Tuesdays. But the we... Went out to his house, couple of gum trees, nothing hard, a little bit of rigging, swing them off from over the sheds and just drop the barrels, nothing hard. All right, so one of the other arborists I employed to work with me, he gets up a tree, starts dropping it, we've got these limbs in the ground, we're feeding them in the back of the chipper, and there's three bolts per chip knife that hold them in. So the chipper's got 12, four knives in it, and they're like big pencil sharpener blades pretty much. When they come loose, the drum that chips is spinning at about 3,500 RPM. Okay. And it's one tonne of force on the wheel pushing it. So it's direct driven from another motor. Uh, you can hear this ting, 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 and that's the bolt hitting the cutting head edge as it goes around. You can't stop at this point because you've got to walk past the cutting head and turn the motor off. So next minute is a holy bang. Uh, 
the couple of bolts came out far enough to be snapped off. So a lump of steel about, I don't know, eight inches by four inches came loose and decided to go through the side of the chip cavity, which is four mil plate steel, opened up like a pencil sharpener and completely destroyed the blades in the head. That was probably the one that was sticks in my memory. Um, we bust hydraulic lines on the excavators and bobcats all the time. Bobcats are renowned for flat tires. It just what we run over in people's yards, stakes, spikes. It just it just happens. By repairs in Mount Gambier have been massive help. Just call them up, kick up pictures. Sure, Craig will be will be there in half an hour. <laughs> um, our worst one was three bobcat tires in a day in one backyard. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, and people go, oh, don't you look where you drive? Yeah, we do, but. You run over a nail, one wheel's directly behind the other, there's two tyres going in the heartbeat. Yeah, and yeah. It's not as easy as people think. And there's a million other things going on. I'm not really looking where my wheels are. I know where the bobcat is in my head. So, so okay, question. How much does it cost to to replace the chip or fix the chipper? Do you just okay, get so, a new one or do you nah, so get a blue tack? Or? A bit of blue tack. Uh, usually one of the engineers in Mount Gambia, usually Simsy's Metal, do I wheel it in there at any time of day. I need this fixed by tomorrow. And normally it's, it won't be tomorrow, Craig, but sure, we'll get it done as soon as we can. Um, they've been really good with everything. Um, our chipper is slightly older than the one we have, the, the first one I started with. Not old, it's only 15 years old, but it's been well looked after. It's been fixed more times than I can count. Um, the other chipper is nearly a new one. They're not cheap things. They're pretty expensive. We priced a new one just before Corona hit in Victoria about four months ago, five months ago, they had that second boot. Uh, so for a new 20 inch, you're looking about 180,000. Holy fucking shit. Okay, yeah, I was then, not expecting that. No, nah, and then by the time you put a truck in front of it, even a second hand one, looking about 220, 240. So as much as a house, pretty much. <laughs> and all it's really good for is chipping logs. You can't, you, so this is why we use older chippers, not older chippers, but ones that with, you know, a thousand hours on them or the last one we just bought is because it's, they're running. The owners are only getting rid of them because they finish payments on them. They're normally good for tax and they just get rid of them. Wow. I know some companies that we work with directly in contract to that are running five and seven chippers daily. That's like a million dollar chipping chip. Wow. It it blows my mind when you start to get into these things. Like I, not to bring this episode into me, but I didn't realize like a planetary mixer. So I I ran a cookie company for a bit. Yep. Um, I've got one of them. You've had a a cookie? You've got a a planetary mixer? mixer. What do you fucking need a planetary mixer for? Uh... A catering business. Oh, yeah, no shit. I'm fucking adore. <laughs> so I bought uh, it from Gray's online. <laughs> oh, for real? Yeah. I just, yeah, like, I just don't, like, I know these things are out there. Well, I, I do now, but yeah. shit's expensive. Mm, really expensive. So our chainsaws, just our climbing gear alone, you see is climbing, just what we carry on our harness, our high line, and our basic uh, zigzag, and just our climbing equipment, spurs and that, three to 5,000. <sighs> If you, if you, any one of our sites you see, um, if a couple of our staff are cutting up logs, those chainsaws are two, two to 3,000 each. That's insane. Yeah, and we don't leave them standard. So I, a few years ago, I got really interested in different exhausts, tuning the motors, getting a bit more power out of them. Mm. Um, when the 500s were released from steel, we bought the first three, um, and the first two, sorry, I didn't have three, and then sent one away to be had the piston ported, polished, the timing, ignition sped up, everything. Um, it's loud and it will cut through anything put in front of it. It's so good. <laughs> Again, I didn't realise you can do all this stuff. That's... Oh, yeah. Man. And is that... Would you say, that obviously, that's worth the investment? 
Yeah, so that was, was not really the investment. The standard ones are absolutely fine. A lot of companies use, but it was just sort of that's one that we leave for more, you know, not for show, but more for just when, you know, you're dropping some big trees, got a bit of extra power, you're putting yep. a bigger bar on. It's just more talking, more power. Okay. So yeah. it serves its purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. All right. What shit doesn't work? A lot of things in the world don't work. Yep. Yeah. What What do we hit us with some? Probably half the government systems don't work. Okay. Yeah. I'm not by all means going to turn this political, but half the government doesn't work. I've worked with a few councils around our local area. They don't work. Their their hierarchy are terrible. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people I think that can do better in their lives, but they're stuck in one spot for some reason. Mm-hmm. And... One thing that doesn't work that I don't know how to fix is phone reception in Mount Gambia <laughs> because that is terrible. Yeah. But, yeah. So, what, why... Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prod here. Why... What problems have you dealt with with councils and, and governments and stuff like that? Um, it's not really problems as such. It's just the hierarchy control. So, normally when you go through a tendering and process system, you put all your licenses, qualifications out into the tender system... They'll send you quotes that are suitable for your business and your insurances, your qualifications, all that sort of stuff. Um, we do a lot of work with Beach Energy up around Panola and that, and well, not a lot of work. We do it with the contractor for trees, and then you know councils to deal with, which obviously because they're their own organisation, you go on record, you do all your stuff, they send you a work order, you go and do your job, you get your approval number, and you put it in to be paid. Um, it's just difficult. They want they the I haven't done work for my Gamba Council, but the other council we deal with, it's paperwork after paperwork after paperwork. But then it contradicts what you wrote on the first thing, and then someone picks that up. So you've got to go and do another set of JSAs or SWIMS forms or whatever else they want. You spend half time doing paperwork. Yep. But you know yep. we do work for some um, other organisations, um, and. As far as they're concerned, we're shutting the site. We're shutting your part of the site down. You're free to do whatever you want. And one of the supervisors just watches us most of the day. That's it. They're happy with that. You go in the morning. Everyone does a viewing, shows all your tickets and licenses, who's cutting, who's driving a truck, so they know who's who. And that's it. Done. Off you go, boys. Start work. Yeah. So if you're in control, what would you do? Oh, sorry. What would you change? Of the what's fucked up. Yeah. Nothing really seems to work how it is. It's obviously a system that's put in place, and whilst you or I or whoever probably doesn't agree with certain systems, they're there for a reason. Yeah. And I'm smart enough to know when not to pick an argument with something that ultimately is going to bite me in the ass. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, that's that's a fucking good call, man. Yeah. Anything else that doesn't work that you want to get off your chest? <sighs> not really, no. no. That's sweet. All right. Have you ever had a light bulb moment? And what I mean by that, was there ever a time in your life when things just made sense? Yeah. Probably a couple, so one in business and one in my personal life would have been in business. I was hesitant to buy machinery because it's just costly. And then I made the decision one day to, I was sick of feeding the chipper. Like, to feed the chipper, you got to cut everything so you can drag it or use the winch on the chipper to drag it to it, which is fine, but it's slow. So I thought, from, my, from the guys I worked with in Victoria, they're feeding their chippers with excavators, small excavators. I'll buy an excavator. So, board an excavator, light bulb moment. Yep. Uh, the excavator will do the work of three staff members mostly and doesn't complain. 
doesn't get tired and it's when it comes to loading the logs just flick them in the truck there's no cutting up into rings to lift them no busting your ass having sore shoulders and back when you go home you don't want to go fishing or you don't want to go in the pub with your mates because your shoulders are sore you just want to sit the couch and die yep 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 um in my personal life my light bulb moment would have been probably when i was a bit younger probably when i lived away and i was in warnable was the world doesn't owe you anything You've got to, you've got to leave you've got to leave everything in the world in a slightly better place than when you found it. Bang, yeah. Like, that's probably that sounds a bit cliche, but it's yeah, that's probably my thing. If you leave the world in a better place than you found, even when you go somewhere like me and one of my good friends go camping and fishing and that, you see some rubbish, pick it up. If you see you know a bit of shit laying around, just pick it up or throw it in your campfire. You know, try and leave everything in a slightly better place. And by that, you know, I've certainly done things in wrong in my life like we all have, and you've really made some shit shows of things. But you think, you know, well, couldn't really help that. That was, you know, going to happen. So so what was the incident or what, what happened in Warrnambool <laughs> that made you want to make the world better before you, like, left? Or not make the world better, but make the area better or situation um, better before you left? Oh, no, I worked with a bunch of dudes at the at Murray Goulburn that just, you know, they were happy in their lives, but they'd been there all this time. And they sort of, after I got mates with a few of the older lad, blokes that had been there, you know, 30 years or so, Oh, you know, I wish I did this, or I wish I did that, mm. or you know, you know, back when I was your age, I used to do this, but you know, I, I, you know, they've got offered a good job, but you know, that's totally fine. Some people's, like I said before, some people's, some people's success is having a good job and getting a paycheck and going home and being happy. That's you know, that's cool with me, but that was what I wanted. I wanted something that was a bit more scary, a bit yep. more, a bit more rough around the edges. Yep. Yep. Yeah. What's something you've changed your mind on as you've gotten older? Jesus, I don't know. As in, as in the man himself, or no? <laughs> that nah. was shit. I'm keeping that. That was awesome. That's good. No, um, I don't know. I've never really thought about that. I, I probably should research these questions. Um, don't know. Not sure. I've got not got an answer for that one. No, we might come back to that. Yeah, we'll come back to that All one. All right, sweet. Was there ever a time you were thankful that the pandemic we're experiencing happened? Yeah. So I think the pandemic was, I'm not going to call it a pandemic because it, I don't think we've got to the pandemic level yet. Like, okay. yes, I definitely do agree in Victoria in that there's been some pretty fucked up shit. Yep. But, you know, we've pretty much gone back to draconian laws of you are controlled by, you know, the government, which mm-hmm. is, you know, what's got to happen. People couldn't do it themselves in that first round, so the government step in and do it. Yeah. You know, that's, I completely understand that. Um, but as far as that goes, it's it's very, it's odd because like we, we, just had, we just had lockdown here, what, a week ago? Yep. Um, we were lucky enough to be granted central work permits and COVID management plans. I'm a COVID marshal, so he's one of my other staff. We could go and do some jobs as long as we had two reasons on the essentials list of why, which mainly for us was um, significant damage to property, infrastructure, businesses or buildings. So we could remove hazard trees or trees that were split. Luckily enough, we had a storm that week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, so literally lucky enough, I had enough work. for my. We we got enough in to keep my main staff, like my full-time staff, going. Um, And then, yeah, it was just um, we ended up... We had a backlog of firewood, so we just ended up cutting firewood, which is essential for healthcare and heating. So we social distanced and wore masks and just cut firewood out at the farm for 
got out of their block for three days, two, three days. Jesus Christ, that's yeah. a long time. Yeah, so um, we got a lot, we got a lot cut up, um, which is all gone now, really. But um, yeah, there wasn't really much we could do, so we just do jobs that were essential. We did go out to the golf course and do a safety job out there. Got out there and the uh, chipper blew a set of belts off. And because it's all locked down in Corona, they come from Adelaide. No one's doing anything, so you just wait for a week. <laughs> it was great. What about so? What about the early early stages of when like Corona or the, the lockdowns and all that? The restrictions did that affect your business in any way at all? Yeah. So the first round we did did affect my business a little bit. Um, it wasn't too bad. Like I said, some of our work's based in Victoria, so some of it we could continue doing because it was a government contract. Other ones we couldn't because it wasn't deemed essential. That's perfectly fine. We did it later on after lockdown, the first round lockdown finished. But it had an impact. I wouldn't say hugely financial. It was more just better planning on my behalf. It, it, got, made, it made me and my office girl be a lot better at planning. Mm-hmm. Like It wasn't the case of now we can just jump over the border, do this job over in Haywood or Nelson or wherever and you know come back. It was... No, we'll we'll stay there for two days. We'll do this job, this job, and this job. Then we'll come back. We'll get the permits to Victoria. I made the fuck up that I thought you had to have a South Australian permit to go backwards and forwards. No, you had to have a Victorian permit to come uh, back because you're in Victoria. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then there was massive questions raised by a cop and higher patrol that our trucks registered in Victoria, chippers registered in South Australia, and so is one of the Utes. Where did the truck come from? Yeah. So we had to explain that. I had to get the old owner to write me out a thing saying we lease property there. So the truck is registered there still because we do work in Victoria, so therefore it's legal. And then it, yeah, it just became a headache. Yeah. Then this, the last, when Victoria had the lockdown, not the time before, the time before that, we were over there working in Apollo Bay. And I'd ring up our principal contractor and be like, mate, we're, we're bolting in the morning because this boy was going to shake. He's like, no, no, it'll be right. It'll be right, mate. Look, we, we really need to keep going. What like, gut feeling that's steered me through so many things. It's going to shut and it's going to be a, it's going to be a snap decision. We're going to shut it now. Fucking oath it was. Boys were coming back. I was, I went to Geelong to pick something up stupidly. Um, the boys come back on the truck and chipper. Just got to the border. They were just setting up the roadblocks and everything. Fucking They, hell. they announced it at 12 o'clock, South Australian time. The border shut from uh, 6 that night. Mm. Yeah. So if we did stay the day and then came home, we wouldn't have made it through the border. So, so man, how do you, like, not how do you make that call, but how do you how do you deal with, like, obviously the people that you're working for on Apollo Bay? Do you just say, like, we, we've got to go? Like, do you just cancel the job or what, what happened? No, nah, so it's a contracted thing. We, we contracted... To go over pretty often. Um, it was just, you know, he's pretty understanding. He's been a good friend of mine for a long time. He's, okay. he's pretty understanding. And he's, yep. I said, look, it's a gut feeling. And me and him have always had a good understanding of each other. And he just said, mate, if that's what it is, I'll tell the customer, head off. So we cleaned up the mess we had left, raked everything up into some piles and um, pushed all the logs off the side of their laneway and their road and just folded everything up, filled it with diesel and went on. So there's no bad blood? No, we're still See, that's fucking now. sick. Okay, no. yeah. Wow. I could not imagine. Because there's other people I know that have got business to do in um, Victoria and stuff like that, yeah. and they still haven't been able to go complete no. it. So if you, do, uh, if you do some permits and you go the right way around it, you can get to it. You can't go and, like, we can't just walk wander over there and do a job at, say, your brother's house. Yeah. It, it's pretty much government works. Okay. Yeah, or planned works. Yep, yep. What do you think something everyone should try at least once? 
climb a tree. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Um, I think everyone should treat themselves to a good steak in their life. I think um, that could be so different for so many people. But um, at least once in your life, do something that is going to tick it off your, your, your bucket list. Bucket list, get something done. Yeah, yep. get, just get something done. That's in, the, that's, in the, that's, in the, that's in the big side of it. Like, yeah, tick something off that you've always wanted to do, whether it be, you know, go on skydiving or, you know, whatever you want to do. What's something, how, what's on your bucket list? There's not many things left. I've, That's I've, good. I've done I've done a lot of things, and I've been lucky enough to have some amazing clients that have, I've talked to about stuff and become good mates with them. I love talking to people and bad anxiety. Love talking to people, and um, like I always wanted to um fly a plane. That was just a helicopter or a plane. And I was talking to one of my clients, oh, it'd be a year and a half ago now. Was, he goes, oh, he's an older guy, he's in his mid, no, late sixties. And I said, do more. He goes, oh, what's one thing you've always wanted to do? I said. Oh, I always want to fly a little plane, a little Cessna, just like, you know, a bloke taped me up and caught a hand the controls and just sort of, you know, let me go. He's like, <laughs> and he goes, oh, well, let's see if we can make that happen. I went, what do you mean? He goes, I've got to play out the airport. I went, no, nah, bullshit. And he goes, no, I'm dead set. He goes, I'll ring you up in a week or two. You come out and we'll, we'll go up for a fly. I'm like, for free? He's like, yeah, I can't charge you. I'm not a business. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah, sure. A few weeks later, he rings me up. It's a good day tomorrow, mate. You want to meet me at the airport at nine AM? I went. Jesus Christ! I I don't sleep that well to start with. I reckon that whole night I was like, bed just shaking. <laughs> um, went at the airport. I was there about eight thirty. I'm sitting there with me coffee. I don't think it made me mouth without spilling about ten drops at a time. And um, yeah, it pushed me through. And we're standing there helping him wheel his plane out. It's his uh, little four seater. Um, I forget what it's called now. Quite a fancy little plane. Yeah, around the runway, and you know, I'm asking millions of questions. He's telling me to shut up because he's trying to talk to flight control, telling him he's taken off and everything else. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> me and him are good mates now, actually. And uh, yeah, we took off and we got out. We went over the wind farms at Millicent, uh, over that Canada area, come back down the coastline, went up past Nelson. We're coming over back towards Mount Gambier, and we flew at my parents' house and um, out of Mount Shank there. And he, um, he goes, oh, do you want to have a go? I went, what do you mean? He goes, well, put your feet on the pedals and, you know, just gentle. I'm like, yeah, yeah, He's like, just take the weight off. And he pulls his legs back. He's like, well, you're steering now. I'm like, oh, shit. And, like, there's, like, a there's like sweat pouring off me. Oh, I could have cured well drought. <laughs> and he's like, I've grabbed, the, I've grabbed the steering wheel in front of me. And he's like, right, don't touch the buttons on top. Just hold it level. Hold it steady. I'm like, all right. He's like, we're flying. We're coming back Mount, towards Mount Gambier. He goes, oh, do you want to turn a bit? He goes, if we turn a bit, we'll go over the Blue Lake. I'm like, okay ever so slightly just touch it and I reckon it would have moved a centimetre or if that and the plane's just starting to glide to the right and I oh that's the best thing ever that's yeah. so cool I, I researched getting my pilot's licence it's way too dear even to keep it the dear and I'm like nah I'll just yeah see let me fly for about oh, probably a couple minutes myself took it back over it was probably the coolest thing in the world the smile on his face right now says oh, it all yeah. guys the smile on his face yeah, that was probably cool, one of the coolest things I ever did what else is on your bucket list? Um, wanted to be a deckhand at one point. So one of my good friends, it was a skipper on a crate boat and the deckhand wanted a few days off was only what it was now, a wedding or something. Mm-hmm. And Tom's like, yeah, if I can find someone suitable. Tom ran me up one day. He's like, you want to still be a deckhand? I'm like, yeah, bro. And I had time off from my other job. And I'm like, I'm like yeah, I'm like, got next week. I was like, perfect. So I went and fished on a hundred pot crate boat for a week. Um, picked up being a deckhand reasonably well, as I'm told. Um, I suppose if you can't tie knots, tie lots. That's probably one thing I learned. Hey, that's a good saying. I like that. Yeah, can't tie knots, tie lots. Um, 
And yeah, did a week on Cray Boat and love that, but I get seasick, terribly seasick. Yeah. I, I, I still go out deep sea fishing now and chartering and that, but yeah, I get badly seasick. Like if, if the sea's rough, I'll just sit on the couch and go to sleep. That's, yeah. <laughs> What's on your bucket list that you haven't ticked off? Probably skydiving. Skydiving or, um, so I don't have another opportunity. It's just, I want to go and do it over the ocean or something a little bit different and do it on land. Um, and I want to jump from, I'm not sure if you can, but I want to jump from a lot higher than the 10, 12,000 feet. Yeah. Just have more flight time, I suppose. Um, don't know. I would like to travel in some different parts of the world at some point, but I don't know. See what happens. Uh, before Corona actually knocked into Australia and it will become, you know, the world's worst thing. Um, me and my friend were talking about actually going overseas and going to Turkey or it was Turkey or something like that for a week and coming home. There was a reason why we're going there. I remember what it was now. And yeah, it never happened. Obviously, never happened. it was just it was just it was just uh, the old Facebook talk. Yep, yep. Can of worms question time. Mm-hmm. Do you think boys and girls are equal? Oh, this is going to cause a problem. No, we're not. Why? Well. We're not. You can't give some jobs girls can do, guys can't. Other mm-hmm. jobs guys can do, girls can't. I'm not saying a girl can't do it. You get, you know, girls that are built with different physiques and different levels of everything in life, like guys. I've I've employed girls before to do basic landscaping jobs and they've shown up the guys half the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also employed girls that don't like getting their nails dirty. So, no, girls can't do a guy's job sometimes and guys can't do a girl's job. But at the end of the day... I do think that there's everyone for a job and a job for everybody if you're willing to do it. And I know some people in the past have not necessarily wanted the job they've got, but they've stuck at it because you need to feed yourself, you need income, and, you know, you need a job in general. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that... Why do you think there's such a push at the moment to find equality between the genders? Do you you have an idea behind that? I've got an opinion. I wouldn't say I was an idea... Go for it. I'm, I'm wanting to hear it. Equality of the genders, I think, is based on a fairy tale. That, you know, other parts of the world, women stay home, clean the house, have children, do all the cooking, that sort of thing. Men go out and hunt. Mm-hmm. Ancient Indians, to get all historical here, ancient Indians used to, you know, go out hunt and fish all day, provide for the families and the community women stay home and cook and clean and do all that sort of thing. I wouldn't say I was sexist. I just think that the old way of values worked better than the current way of values because I remember growing up, my mum used to go out and feed calves and do that sort of stuff on the dairy farm. Mum was just as hard worker as dad was. Um, but at the end of the day, mum, my mum's German. My mum cooked every night and, it, you know, some nights it wasn't a five-star meal, but you still had food in your belly and, you know, and then other nights... Mum would really, you know, pull the stops out and you'd be eating something mum been slaving away at all day. Mm. So I think women, the new wave of feminism is what's ruined it, I think. Yep. So I'm all up for feminism. I'm all up for feminism. You know, women voting, women having rights, that's, that's great. You know, we're all equal on that. We should all have a say in what happens in the world. I agree on that. But I don't agree on when you've got these, you know, hardcore feminists saying that, you know, my child needs to have, you know, give me verbal response on if I can, you know, change his nappy or 
you know, this is child abuse when you're simply just picking a kid up by your shoulders or something like that. Mm, mm, you know? mm. I think we've gone a step too far on the scale and there's been people that don't necessarily have an educated outlook on something that are making the rules now. Yep. Yeah, and yep. there's a whole bunch of social media that gives everyone a voice and not necessarily some people shouldn't have a voice. Yeah, I, 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 I'm agreeing. I reckon the new wave of feminism isn't about... Um, you know, I'm, I'm all for <clears throat> I'm all for females wanting to have oh, equality, definitely, definitely. But I think the new wave of feminism isn't about equality. It's that the women are trying to be better. I think that scares people though, because it's been the way for so. You look at like I the other day. I don't know where I heard it somewhere um, about you can name ten wealthy pe- guys, but we name ten wealthy girls. Yeah. That's true, because I can own about three wealthy women, and then about ten guys off, off the bat without even thinking about it. Yep. Um, but that also, I think, is there's so much stigma around these, you know, Instagram and Facebook and these memes that you know you got to be a boss bitch and you got to get this shit done. And that's, that's when your things are just off your podcast. Yeah. Like, hey, I yeah. taught. Hey, look at that influence. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. And you, and you know you got to, you know, there's a way you've got to, yeah, sort of. With what you what what you tell yourself is what you do in life ultimately, mm. and I think there's a lot of you know fake influences around that say you know oh you can do this and you can do that and you know you've just got to be this badass you know entrepreneur. And you can only be the badass entrepreneur when you've actually done the work first. Yep, and that's what and that's what gives me the backing to have a fuck up every now and again. And I think a lot of the people that say they are like you know they they it's. And that's the online thing. It's yep, they, they can't they can talk the talk, but honestly, how many of them actually are absolutely killing it at life? Yeah, yeah. How like, much is like, it? Like I don't like I've noticed recently <clears> on my Instagram <throat> a lot of these um, boutique baby places are popping up, like n- uh, not nappies, but like um, bibs and baby toys and that, and they're all handmade. And you know, if you're good at selling and you're making some good good products, by all means, build yourself a little website, market it, make a few bucks while you're sitting at home looking after your kid. That's absolutely cool. That's cool as shit in my book. That's how big things start. Yeah. But, you know, when every second post is, you know, I'm going to do this and this and then, I'm you know, click on this and you'll be a millionaire in five years. I can tell you right now, every three-year business plan has me sitting and being a millionaire. That's how the bank wants to see it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um. But no, I don't think that at all. That's my theory. That's um, I like it. This will cause controversy. <laughs> nah, who cares? Then it's their choice. If they want to listen, they can listen. If not, exactly. they can fuck off. Um, what advantages do you think you get for being a male? I don't think any really. I think females have better advantages, not just from the sexism side of things, of getting things done better. Like if you if you look at a Anything in the world, if it's a retail setting or an in-store setting or a product placement, females rank the highest. Yep. Because I've never met a saleswoman that comes to try and sell me oil, lubricants, anything that's not blonde and good looking. Because most guys that own companies and buy this shit are older guys Mm -hmm. and they're dirty old pervs. Yep. We'll just be honest about that. And with me, my first thing is, oh, we'll come and see you. Nah, we need this and this. What's your best price? Oh, well, we'll come and show you. No, I don't want that. Send me, send me, send me your email list and I'll, I'll look at it. I don't. I've been buying my stuff off the same four companies for years now. 
Um, in that perspective, women nail it because better to talk to customer service. Like you're in, like you're in a call center, nine times out of ten it's female. Yep. Yeah. Better to talk to you. You're not going to get angry at a female, especially angry as a male. Mm. Um, I know I've spent hours in the phone to Optus before. We know what it's like, but men have it easier in like say building trades more hands-on things because you expect it to be a bloke's job yep like i've met a few uh, met a few female arborists only a couple in my career and a few female builders and that but it's always even they'll say it's a men's game yep so then they're not only fighting the stigma they're fighting their own they're fighting their own obviously their own perception but they're also fighting against you know, if you call someone to come and build an extension on your house and a, a you know, 28-year-old girl turns up, you're going to be like, uh, can you do this? Like, yeah, yep. And, you know, I don't care if someone turns up and, they, you know, I've been recommended by you or someone else and you said they do a good job. Yeah, cool. We'll just use them, you know. I know a girl in Melbourne that moved some machinery for us when I worked in Melbourne. Um, she can reverse park a quad-axle wide loader through a single set of gates, first try on a four-lane highway. I've seen guys do that and fuck it up six times. And, that's, and I think that's the most important thing we should take away from this. It's It comes down to school-specific ability, merit. Can you do it? Some people just do it. Yeah. I I know another company down here that for a while had female truck drivers and they were paid more than the males based on the fact of the trucks were clean, they hardly ever dented up guards and lights and things. They overall just were more careful with the equipment. Where guys, you know, especially the older school truck drivers, that I do know a few, so don't hate me on this. Um, they're rough because of how it used to be. This, yep. is, this is how it used to be, and this is the way it'll all be. Well, it's not. The world's changing, and if you don't change, you ain't left behind. 100%. Yeah. That is the key from that bit right there. Yeah. What disadvantages do you think you get from being a male? <sighs> Probably, I reckon the white male. Yes. Is the most hated demographic in the whole scale. (laughs) Because we've done fucking nothing. Everyone hates us. Yeah, we're all blanketed as pieces of shit sometimes. Because my skin colour and because I'm privileged. I'm I'm not privileged. Like I'm I'm the one at the bottom of the scale. You got on top of us you've got, you know, we've all heard about that uh African American fella, George Floyd, who got killed in America. Mm. I'm not gonna go into that one, but you know, his rap sheet was a mile long. He, yes, he probably didn't deserve to die how he did, but you know he's got a statue erected in he, in wherever that happened. Everything else, you've got white males that are picked on on you know Facebook, Instagram, over the world of social media because we like cooking steak and drinking beers on Fridays, and you know that's a terrible thing to do. And you're the reason this happened, and you're the reason that happened. It's like fuck, mate, we're just doing our thing. Yep. Like, you know. Yep. We're the most hated demographic there is. That is such a good point. When you think about it, you name one thing. So if, if for example, a any other demographic stuffs something up in general, say whether it's a government level, personal level, anything else, everyone tells them it's okay, it's because they're hated. It's because, you know, the world hasn't done them a favour. Mm. The average 30-year-old white guy stuffs something up, it's all his fault. That is a very good point. The, the world's looking down on him because, you know, you you were privileged and you still fucked it up. Mm. I'll tell you right now, I'm not privileged. I'm where I am because I worked for it. Hard work. It's hard work and fucking hard work. But it's, yeah, yeah that'll create a problem. 
I don't. But hey, at least someone's talking about it. No, I'm just so like I wouldn't say I was right wing or anything like that. Anywhere near the least of that. But I think it's just I thought about this the other day actually, um, or a few months ago. Now, some good mates about it, and he was saying, you know, we when you think about it, anything white males do, it's because you're either wealthy, it's because of you know multiple reasons you got there, not because you did it yourself. And, I, and I'm not going to say that obviously that some people got there because yeah their parents were wealthy or whatever else like that. That's it's just life. It just happens. Mm. But at the end of the day, I feel my personal opinion that white males are hated for absolutely nothing because that's the way the media and that's made it look. I think on the other other side of that coin though is obviously the probably oh, well, I don't I should I don't fucking know the data or the statistics, but white males would probably. Oh, they wouldn't make up most of the population in the world, would they? No. It'd be Chinese, Indian, or something like that. The most incarcerated person in the world is African-American at 68%. My, I have some research to do, I think. Oh, actually, the only reason I know that is I researched a while back because my mate told me, I'm like, no, nah, that can't be true. There's Surely we're all equal in race, like race, colour sort of thing. No, nah, turns out it, no, it's not. Yeah, I was actually surprised at myself. I'm, I'm not a racist guy at all, but yeah, that blew me away. That's a that's a fucking lot of people. Yep. <sighs> I'm interested to see what happens with that little section. That'll be interesting. Mm. What do you think most people are doing wrong in their day to day life? Not moving forward on their dreams or what they want to do in life. Like I know, like you know, obviously some people can't because of financials or you know, their home life or their wife and kids, you know, you, you got to do what you got to do what you got to do. Mm. But I think there's a lot of people that, you know, you always see those memes on Facebook and Instagram and media and that, that, you know, you don't want to be in your retirement home, you know, at 90, wishing you took that one step yeah. to a whole different life. Yeah. And, you know, we all know someone that took a step to a different life and got there and, you know, they're happy as fuck where they are now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I've got a mate that's absolutely worked his tits off and now he's made it to where he is. He's got a whole bunch of staff do his jobs for him. He cruises in his office. He's the most happiest guy in the world. His, his staff are like just happy to be working for him. He's top guy and um, he's doing what he wants. He's got to the level. He knows what he wants to do and that's where it's going. So how, okay, my question for there would be, how do you know, say if you're taking a step towards your dream, how do you know if it's a risk that will pay off? How have you known when you've done something that is it is it going back to that gut or is it just because you've said you fucked up as well? Oh, I've had a lot of fuck ups in my career, like my professional career, my own life. I've made some absolute dog's breakfast of things I should have done a fucking lot better. Um, do they stand out more than the good things though? Or do nah, the good things because stand I think more? all the I, in my personal opinion, all the good things I do, like the good work we do, we you know every now and again I meet people that can't necessarily you know help in any way of what or what they want done or want doing and, you know, we'll help them out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every now and again I have people come to me that, you know, for various reasons will want help with something and, you know, I'm not a big fan of, I'm not a big believer of, you know, heaven and hell, but I think you got to do good things in your life to get somewhere in the next life, if there is a next life. <laughs> you know, you got to do something good in life. Yep, yep, um, yep. Karma, the whole karma thing, but to the whole risk it thing, if you don't risk it, you never know. And, but, and if you do risk it, and you spend six months and say, you know, you spend, you know, some savings and, you know, whatever else on trying your absolute hardest at whatever you want to do. As long as you give it your 100%, it's not a risk, it's just a lesson. 
Have you had an expensive lesson? Hmm. I've terribly underquoted some jobs. Um, but other than that, I've had a few lessons in life. Um, probably ramming my mouth when I should have kept it shut. And not really, I wouldn't say lessons. It's just stuff that learn from. Think about it, learn from it, move on from it. And we've definitely you know, had some stuff ups. But it's not a stuff up if you learn from it. And I do believe... This is my big my big thing I live by. Do a whole bunch of good things all the time. Try and be good all the time. Like not necessarily in the way of, you know, like laws and that sort of thing, but try and do good in your life. You know, if you see someone not right now because of Corona, but normally if you see someone at the supermarket, you know, old lady struggle with her bags, put them in a car for her. Do have that ten seconds out of your day and you're not a dick. Um, don't, you know, pick on someone on fucking there's a lot of keyboard worries around right now. Um, you know, do good, and then when you do have a fuck up, it gives you the air cover to fuck up. Because then, you know, if someone does see it, they go, yeah, but come on, he's done a lot of good things. I was having a a discussion earlier on today, actually, with someone about doing a good thing. So, for example, would you feel okay, say, for example, there's uh, a young teenage girl walking in the rain, it's absolutely pissing down. Yep. Would you stop, pull over... And pick her up to where she needs to go? Or would no. you feel, why not? Comes down to white privilege. You'll be accused Ooh. of every single fucking thing. I'm not saying you will be accused, but you'll be accused of trying to sleep with her, picking her up because you have other intentions. You will be accused of anything, guaranteed. And how the media is these days, everyone's got their fucking phones. It, it's just it's a personal view. Like, if I see, if I send you walking on the road in a month and, you know, your bonnet was up on the car or something, I'd pull over and see what you need. Yep, yep. You know, and, you know, I, I've pulled out trucks over before to, you know, um, just a few weeks ago out the back of Congrong. There was a lady there that was trying to tie down something on the back of clearly her husband's ute and was not doing a great job. And we pulled up, you know, 15 tonnes of truck and chipper and loaded and loaded to give her a hand. And one of the guys that worked with me was, why the fuck did you do that? I'm like, you know. Why, why wouldn't I? If, if my client that we're going to, Denny Carbon's Rocks, doesn't understand I'm 10 minutes late for that, well, they can get fucked. I don't work for them. Well, I do, technically, but <laughs> I don't work for them. Okay, so my, this last question I'll talk on this, I'll say about this. At uh, what age would you feel comfortable in picking up a girl that's getting absolutely pissed on? In the rain? Yep. Probably... Mid twenties, because then probably hopefully out of the immature phase, they're not. You know, you can have a decent conversation based on just basic shit. Yep. You know, it's not. You know, like I'm thirty, and it's yeah. I've noticed in my 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 life and that younger girls tend to be. I'm not saying they all are, but majority are immature. Yep. And you know, I see that from my. I've got clients and business friends and that that had daughters that are in their early 20s and even they'll say that they're just no good yet <laughs> like yeah yeah yep. so you be mid-20s and you know obviously if, yeah there's some other parameters to it but yeah you know if you're only taking them across town you know hi how's your day been you know do you, you know want me to take you to a friend's house your mum's house you know mm. whatever you mm. know it doesn't take much to make a 10-minute conversation out someone What do you think people are overlooking? 
the facts about coronavirus. Yeah? I, 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 I'm not going to go into it, but... Let's go into it. There's no... There's no... I'm not saying it's not serious. It's definitely fucking serious. People have died of it. Yep. But I think our government is... Every, or not the government. I think the media is feeding us a bit of bullshit here and there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just from the facts of, you know... I was reading the other day, 230-something cases in New South Wales. Yep, Queensland's got how many today. We had a brush with it here. Like South Australia and WA and Northern Territory have come out of it relatively squeaky clean. Yeah. The whole eastern seaboard's going to be completely fucked with a pineapple. Yeah. Like Melbourne pretty much didn't exist for 12 months. I'm pretty sure uh, ScoMo was thinking about building a wall between us because I would have. Trump would have. Hey, I like the Don. Don't get, don't. I like the Don. He's, he's no, I he's do cool. too. I like some of his um, some of his things he comes out with. I would probably wouldn't want him for a. No, I wouldn't want him for a president, but I think he's a yeah. very smart man. Yeah, he is definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, that'd be that'd be that'd be the one. Yeah, I think the I think the the main one I would think of would be the Corona thing. Like, I think a lot of people are misinformed, and due to Facebook and everything else, yeah, there's a lot of misconstrued information. Mm-hmm. And obviously the government tries to get out the quickest and best way possible so we can all be, you know, affected by it and go about our daily lives slightly better. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I... Whoever's used a chainsaw in their life wearing a face mask, fuck, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> You're just breathing in two-stroke fumes. Um, I think it's just a learning curve. We've got to adjust for it for a bit. And at the end of the day, you know, our age group isn't... The ones that are affected by it, it's, you know, grandma and grandpa and yeah. you know, mine aren't with us anymore, so I guess I'm sort of lucky in that part. But, you know, if it comes down to it and I've got to have the jab in the arm to go to Victoria and work, well, I can have to. You hear a lot of bad things about the vaccine. Like, you know, two, three people have died from it. They've also pumped out like nine million doses. Yeah, I was going to say, they've done a fair bit. They've done millions of doses in a very short amount of time. They don't have time to do the proper testing and... I was reading an article the other day by a well-known, I say it's a bit of a hellraiser, a bit of a white right winger, that this is the this is the world's largest human experiment. That's a that's pretty accurate. Yeah, and I thought that, and they had a picture there of um, the uh, Nazi death camps with a tattoo on their wrist, and then people were in the hospital band. That's a bit far in my theory. Like, yeah, like that's... you know, like I do agree, people are having side effects. You read about it in the paper and things like that. I, I do I do agree that they're. There is side effects, but we're hearing about 1%, if not even that. Yeah. Less than 1%. We're going like tenths of a percent. And okay, yes, that's hundreds of people or thousands of people, but in the grand scheme of what we're doing, the cold and flu vaccine kills how many people every year? Mm. Spanish flu killed 10 times what Corona did, and there's still not a fucking vaccine for that. Mm. It mm. just, just, you know, just what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you look up to? Probably a few, probably a couple. The ones that stick out in my head would be um, my dad. Yep. Who would teach me, you can fix anything you can if you just think about it. And even now, like how busy I am and how I get tied up all the time with work and everything else, I still find time because I'm, I'm tired as fuck. Like, yep. I hate paying mechanics and things. I'm, I'm, mechanics are a good mate of mine. I do call him to fix pretty easy shit when I haven't got time. But I'm like, I can fix that myself. It'll only take me an hour. And then I end up bringing the cake anyway because I pulled it apart and it's falling apart and something's <laughs> happened. Um, but probably my dad, Brett and James, I said before, for just the advice he's offered me over the years and sort of I'm guessing because he's where he is, he can see that I've obviously got the spirit of the fight in me to 
go further and he's been right so far with things he's helped me with and told me. Yep. Um, so probably him. Um, this is an odd one. So probably myself in five years. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so to not sound cliche, I think you should be your own biggest hero. Mm-hmm. As, as wanky and up myself as that sounds. Um, because at the end of the day, you may, you may get yourself to impress. Because at the end of the day, you know, the whole world's over thing, you and your body and your mind and your soul the only thing you'll ever actually own in life. Yeah, that's the saying, that everyone dies alone. Exactly. You come in the world alone, you die alone. Um, you come in the world naked, you die naked most of the time. Um, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the yeah myself in five years, so, you know, it's a bit cliche. I don't know if I've heard it or just remembered it or it's my own thing, but, yeah, if I... Every now and again, I think like, where do, where, what, what, what do I want to be in five years, and um, or where do I want to be, or you know, whatever it, you know, it comes down to. Yeah, well, I want to be here. I'm going in the right, the right general, general direction. None of us like using a GPS, but it, you know, and we're going in the right direction. So, yeah, the last one would be myself in five years. My, my biggest hero. I really like that answer. Yeah. Tell me about your biggest setback. Probably having leukemia would be a good one. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's <laughs> up there. That's pretty decent. Um, biggest setback would be, um, I don't know, I suppose, just when we when I started a business and started hiring people, we, you know, work comes and goes and you've got to be good at, you know, budgeting and saving. And now I've got that down pat, but a year, but, you know, go back three years like I didn't even know what an accountant did. Like they did me tax every year and I got money. That's what I was, I was concerned. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, me tax agent, um, you know, he, one of my good friends. Um, now I, you know, I'd quietly have a beer with him. He, you know, he's explained some things to me through, um, you know, setting up my business with staff and everything else. And he moved me from a sole trader to a company basis. And then, you know, it rang me out when it was all approved and thing and said, you know, congratulations, you're now the director of EDI Group. I'm like, oh, I broke down in tears in my car. I'm not scared to say that. I broke down, went and picked up me a bit of paperwork and it's like a phone book size sort of thing. It's got the EDI Group Price Limited, my ACN number, my ABN number and some other shit in it. And I remember sitting me going, fuck, like, when did this happen? Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wouldn't say broke down, had to tear up, but yeah, it... Yeah, definitely come in perspective. Like, we're going to do some good things now. Mm. And yeah, took off from there. I've got to ask, I've just thought of this now. So, going back to your leukemia, yep. did you ever feel like you missed out on your childhood or your teenage years? Yeah, to an extent. So, I do to an extent. It's not super what, but I think you miss out that few years of school. Well, I miss out all school, obviously. But yeah, you miss out in a bit, sort of, because you're not in the. At school, you're not doing sports. I never really did sports anyway, but sports and that, you miss the social interaction with other kids. Yep. So I always tell people I'm socially retarded. Um, and I don't like talking to people that often, but I do like people, obviously. Um, yeah, I think, yeah. Some shit changed differently. Mm-hmm. I was never really a social kid when I was younger. I guess once I had leukemia, I thought, you know, fuck, I'm going to... Could, could die soon, like, yeah. better change me. But now, yeah, if I want to talk to someone, I'll make myself talk to someone. I've got a bit of anxiety, but, yeah, I'll, 
talk to someone, I'll make a point of it. You know, after I talk to them for five minutes, I'm fine with them. Yeah, pick, yep. pick up what someone feels like, and yeah, go from there. Yeah, what excites you? In day-to-day life? It's your episode. It's everything. The world. Like, I make a point of reading two to three books a week, or listening to, that's a lie. Podcast, like podcasts, e-books, that sort of thing. Yeah. Big fan of Joe Rogan's podcast, listen to your podcast and a couple of others. Um, there's a podcast I got into a few weeks ago called Do You Fucking Mind? Yeah, that girl. Yeah. Yep. She has the most irritating voice in history. But some of the stuff she comes out with is fucking bang on yep yeah um, Joe Rogan not all of his just every now and again I pop one of his in um, podcasts excite me books excite me like just perspectives of the world different things it's not necessarily different same topics it's just whatever I feel like yep, yep. Um, just the world in general just how people do things the the ocean the world it just yeah I'm, I'm, I'm pretty easy excited um, it's like cool stuff really I read a stat the other day. Here's a stat that I did read. Apparently, uh, we've only explored five percent of the like the floor of the ocean. Correct. I think it's a little bit less than that, a little bit more than that, actually. But yeah, it is. That is so fucked. We know more about our moon than we know about the fucking ocean, and we live here, mate. I think there was also like it was saying like it was saying actually how deep is the ocean and stuff like that, and they found a new depth. A really deep point. It was like somewhere off Bermuda. Yeah, yeah. I watched that on uh, YouTube. Yeah. yeah, and I was just like, oh, like that's what they found. Like there could be something even yeah, deeper. Yeah. And like the shit, like it's pitch, pitch, pitch black. And yep. like I think the pressure was something like two thousand times. Like yep. it was the equivalent of like standing on your head with like seventeen jumbo jets or something Correct. stupid, crazy stat. I probably butchered that, but anyway. Yep. And then there's stuff that lives there. Yep. Yeah, there's these little fish that fish with a fucking little glow light in front of them and. Yeah, I've watched this thing on YouTube before, very similar thing. And um, they go down these little uh, unmanned capsule things. Mm. And they spend millions of dollars on researching what's in the bottom of that trench. It's mud, rocks, and some fucking weird-looking aliens. Mm. I don't see why I've got to go and stick my nose in their, in their house. Like, I think we should be researching what we can help with. Yeah. You know, like, I was reading something the other day, like, we'll t- probably touch on it later, our meat company, our grilling company. They're making meat now in labs. Yeah. No, you're not a fan? Oh, I've turned a vegan back to meat before. I, yeah, no, I don't think. There's there, There's going to be some side effects from that. You can't, mm. you, you, you can't grow a steak in the lab. That just, it comes off a cow. Like it does. Like call me a farmer, but that's how it happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like I'm all for sustainable farming and those sorts of things. I think that's great. If we can find a way, like you know, hollow fresh using hydroponics over the back of Ballarat, there's four sheds as big as Bunnings that turn out thousands of tons of fresh produce from Melbourne markets on a daily and weekly basis. Mm-hmm. All grown under lights and full hydroponic systems. We've been there before to do um, a. We went out there to do a course um, for for school uh, back at college and um you see something like that on a scale that big and it's like fuck someone's thought of this it wasn't old mate's garage going i'm gonna grow bloody a couple of lettuces in my kitchen under a bloody uv light it was old mate going i'm gonna do my bit and help out here yeah yep and you know you hear a lot of bad publicity about you know coles and woolies they buy their fruit from here and there and they do this and they do that 
what people don't realise is they've got a massive supply, like a massive demand, and they've got to fill it. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and, you know, the Australian farmers, you know, I'm sure they buy from Australia. They might do 70%, but the rest of it might come from Brazil, China, you know. Hey, I can't grow dragon fruit. I can grow, any, I can grow anything. I can't grow dragon fruit in my backyard, yep. but Thailand does it really well. Mm. Yeah. And, it's, it, and there's nothing worse than going to the shops and like, fuck, why do I have what I want? They've got to yeah. get it from somewhere. Yeah. Like, I've got a big thing at the moment. Like, I've been eating a lot of steak lately. We call it testing. Uh, flavors and rubs and different salts. We're, mate, I never knew. I never knew before this business. I've always loved cooking. I've got 23 Webers. Like, love meat and cooking. But I never knew there was hundreds of different salts. Salt flakes, Himalayan salt, smoked salt, chili salt. Mate. Yeah. Jesus Christ, this is a... Yeah, yeah. Salt's good. Salt's really good, yep. Oh, I um, probably have too much of it, but it hasn't killed me yet. So, yeah. Wow. So, what, oh, man, we'll, we'll get into the, the yeah. main stuff in a minute. What has kept you up at night? Everything, I don't like sleeping. So, I, I constantly advocate, I don't get enough sleep. I'll blame anybody for keeping me up past my bedtime, which I've got this fucking dumb theory in my head to 10 o'clock. It's never been 10 o'clock in my entire life. When I was getting bored up, it was like 7 or 8. When I was in my adult life, I was like, I can stay up all night. No, apparently I can't. Um, I don't know. Nothing really. I, The old saying, you know, you go to bed with your regrets or you go to bed with your negativity. Mm. And I always wake up fine. Yeah. I Yeah, I don't. I don't carry things for very long. Like, yeah, I hold, yeah everyone holds a grudge, but yeah, it's no point worrying about it. It's not going to do any good. So how, how how much sleep do you get in a are you like you just don't sleep or it's very minimal? Uh, I'll, you know, go to bed anywhere from ten o'clock to one in the morning and I'll get up at five thirty, five o'clock go to work. If I if we've got a big if the boys have got a big day on, our team's gonna be day on and I you know, stuff's gotta be filled up or whatever's gonna be happening, I've started work at two thirty three in the morning before. Um if we're doing you know, if we're pushing over tree breaks or doing burn offs I'll start two, three hours for my staff, so they've got a lot of wood on the ground to cut into blocks. Um, yeah, whatever we need to do. If I'm going to con- if I do myself personally, I do contracting for a couple of other companies in Mount Gambia, so I'll hire myself out as the arborist to do what they need done for their for their for their contract or their job. Um, there's only three of them though. I like to keep that little tight, and then. Um, if I've got to be there at 7, I'll be there at 6.30. Mm-hmm. And my theory is a contractor should have your shit together. Mm-hmm. You be you need to be there before anyone actually needs you. Yeah. 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 So you can get a feel of how everyone's working. Because, you know, for example, if the guy in the bobcat or the excavator or whatever is having a bad day, I'm going to have a bad day. Do you ever get burned out? Yeah, constantly. So I don't... No, that's a lie, actually. I don't believe in being burnt out because I'm not a candle. Um, I believe, you know, a doctor said a while back, I got not quite sick a while back. I had a, had a stroke, um, Jesus. a partial stroke. Okay. Out, I had a partial stroke, a very small stroke. And the doctor said, um, you've got, um, you're, you're 29, Craig, you need to start making some life choices. I understand you've got a lot on your plate, but you need to drop a few things because mm-hmm. if you have one, it could be serious. A proper one, it could be serious. And I went... Fuck. All right. And then I was tired for about a week. My body obviously healed and repaired. And it... What's the question here? 
No, you were just saying, I was just saying, do you get burnt out? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, That was probably the only burnout experience I've ever had. And then, I don't believe in it. I, I think I'm not a candle. I'm not going to get burnt out. Um, I think some people just have the natural go. You're doing, I'm one of those people that believe I'm doing what I should be doing. Yeah. yeah this is this is what you know not to get all high and mighty but this is what i was put here to do yeah yeah um i was put here to start businesses be good at it and share my passion with whoever else like i can go and do a quote in whoever's house yard spend an hour talking about their veggie garden to them i absolutely love veggie gardens it's my thing yep at the moment i got a weird affection of growing broccolini in the middle of winter it's not going too well a bit cold <laughs> but they're growing um yeah. I'm very excited to see what you say here. Mm. What is an unpopular opinion that you have? Ooh, that's a good one. Mm. Probably some people's perception of me, because I know that's colourful. Um, I don't really have an unpopular opinion. I think, you know... What have you done to quote unquote piss people off then? What have you what has come back to you of saying, Oh not, that Craig, not, he's this? Uh, I think a lot of it stems from jealousy. Because, yep. you know, I'm at a point in my life and business I think mean, now where to a degree I can do what I want. Yep. Um if I don't mean that in an upstuck way, I mean as a point of if you know, if you work for someone, you got to be there by a certain time, finish a certain time. You, you know that, and that's that's fine. That's cool. That's that's what a that's what a job is. That's what's called a job. Mine's a bit different. So, obviously, me and my staff, which I hope have the same theory as I do, I would hope so. Go, you know, we go and do a job, and you know, if the other arborist that works with me, well, the two that work with me, if they see something cool in the neighbor's yard, come knock on the door and ask me to have a look at it, like. We did a job not that long ago. Um, neighbour had a uh, vintage F truck in their backyard. <laughs> Me, go over the fence, knock on the guy's door, like, can I look at you at your, in the backyard? He's like, yeah, sure. For an hour talking to him. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I I don't, yeah, and then people, I think a lot of people come from who, who I was when I was younger. I used to be pretty arrogant and pretty much just a prick of a person. Yep. I think that stemmed from probably the, the damage that having leukemia did to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think after I got, to be honest, got over myself, I think I was a lot better from that point. Um, everyone has a bad day, but yeah, I think from that point I was pretty, a lot better, but it's just people's perceptive and I think it's just the small town thing too. Mm. Everyone always hears a rumor that adds a few dragons and a fairy into it and then all of a sudden... You know, this is blown out to that, and you and you're and you're the biggest a hole in the this side of the world. Man, Gambia Chinese whispers, mate. Yeah, but I'm not Chinese, so why speak them? You know. Yeah, that's a good point. That's, so when so it sounds like you were almost not ego driven. Was it an ego thing? Did you have a protective barrier, or what? People thought you were a dick, or is it just? I don't care. You I, just didn't give a I, shit. Honestly, I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks about me. If you don't lie me, that's great get out of my way because I'm probably, I've been told this by some other people as well, one of the most driven individuals I've ever met. The answer is never no, it's just next option. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not by any means going to hurt you to get where I want to be or anything else. It's just a fact of, I know where I want to be and that's where I'm going to get to. If it takes me a week, a month or a year, 
is all it takes. I'm pretty comfortable in my own skin, and if you don't like me, great, go ahead. And, you know, I'm a big believer in what you say about me says more about you than it says about me. Yep. Because, you know, I know some other people in your podcast and other people in general that are known in Mount Gambier, like I'm known as Mr. EDI, and, you know, it's it's a jealousy thing, and it's because, you know, someone might have tried something and failed, and because you've succeeded, or because, you know, I've been in the right place at the right time to get where I want to be, it's been, you're lucky, or, you know, it's just bullshit. Mm. If you've got a problem with me, come and tell me, and we'll see if it's actually a problem or someone's told you some bullshit. Because it seems to me, as soon as someone does well for themselves, everyone hates it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know I, exactly what you're saying. And there. I wouldn't say I was ultra wealthy. I wouldn't say I was, you know, above everybody else. I I'm, I think of myself as fucking the low-down piece of shit because that's how I succeed. By being the underdog, I think. That's that's just me. You know, like, believe it or not, I'm actually reasonably physically fit. I don't look it. I'm, pretty, I'm a bit chubby at the moment. Um... To do my job, you've got to have amazing stamina. Oh, fucking oath. Like, it's all right, you know, I've met dudes that are, you know, gym guys, and they're, oh, I'll come out and give your hand to my mates. Yeah, okay, cool. After now, they're rude. Mm. And it just comes from years of doing it. And it's just, yeah, I don't, I don't care what people think. If you're not, you know, I know who I am in my fields. If you don't like it, that's great. I know who I am, and I'm very aware of who I am. I've got to ask this. I should have asked this probably at the start. What does EDI stand for? Easy does it. Fucking there we go. <laughs> so I owned an earth moving company at one point. That's how EDI started. It's called Easy Does It Earth Moving. Um, with a 30-ton digger. We used to dig out dams and that for a few farmers from Victoria and here. And then when I decided to move back home, I bought a wall mowing landscaping company. Mm-hmm. And then I had a different accountant then. And he's like... Can't run two companies. It'd be too much for fucking headache. Put it into one. So we put it into one, which was EDI, um, EDI Developments. And then when I met my current accountant, accountant, I turned on him because he's a business uh, advisor as well. We went through it all, and then he's like, "What's going to be your company name? Because it's going to be too hard to run a couple of things under one." I'm like, "Let's call it EDI Group." And he's like, "Sure, Group of Companies. That's fine." Like, no, 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 EDI Group. And then yeah. Eddie I Train Garden, Eddie I Earth Moving, and um, Tom Owen Hawk. So you said that you uh, listened to ebooks or like yep. stuff like that. Yep. What, what's the last ebook that you read? Or Ooh. sorry, that was a fucking stupid. What was the last ebook you listened to? There's <sighs> a couple. I do a couple at a time, which ultimately fucks me in the end. Um, so I'm halfway through Wim Hof. Yep. Yep. Um, super interesting dude. Really, really. I love people that are just off center, just yeah. not not like the rest of us. I, yes. I think I'm quite off center. A lot of my friends, uh, to, and a lot of a couple of other arborists I'm really good friends with, they're all off center. Mm-hmm. Like we're all quirky, we're all different. I like people that are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I don't like the ones that are straight cut, eat with a knife and fork every night. Like I cook big lumps of meat, eat with your fingers. Like it's great. We did we we, we did a million years ago. Let's do it again. Yep, yep. Um, last one was yeah Wim Hof halfway through that. One of my all-time favourites is uh, the Resilience Project. Yep. Yep. Um, I forget his name right now. Um, I listened to that four or five times. I got it through my thick head. And um, that, and there's another one too. Gary Vaynerchuk, one of his books. Yep. Crush It. I think it was Crush It. Um, yeah. It's just wide range. Like There's like self-development. There's um, just not stories, but like biographies. I finished one the other week. Um, was blocking firewood up uh, Matt McConaughey's green lights. Ah, uh, I've got that. I've just downloaded that before. That 
I love that guy. Yeah. If I ever had the chance to meet him, mate, I would fly up around the world to shake his hand and kiss his feet. <laughs> that guy, I reckon he's got it dialed in, you would not believe. Um, yeah, he's definitely he's definitely got it. Has there ever been a book that you've gone, read a couple of pages or sorry, listened to or whatever and just gone, this is fucking shit? Yeah, so I've got a, I've got this in my head, I've got, I've got a million things to do at any one point. So I believe myself, my time is valuable. When I've, when I've got, um, when like, I'm not a procrastinator, but I write lists and I've had to get better at this the last 12 months writing a list and then I leave it in my office. Yep, good. Yeah, it's great. It's perfect. <laughs> Um, so I wing my whole day and then one of my staff or one of my contractors, whoever will call me up and be like, oh, have you done this? i be like, yep, I'm just held up at the moment. I'll be there in 20 minutes. I can run down to Bunnings or GTs or somewhere and get what I need and come back. Um, yeah, that'd be that. What do you not understand? I'm back at this one again. I understand a lot of things in my professional and business life and personal. Um, there's a lot of things I understand, but at the same time, I'm a big believer in if I don't know how to do something in business, I'll find someone that does, whether, yeah. it's, whether it's a freelancer or a contractor or someone I can hire for 10 hours a week to do it for me because I'm not going to waste my time learning it to do it and it's going to cost me somewhere else because I haven't been able to focus on something else in my life. Mm. So... Yeah, if I'm focused on what I'm doing, I'm, I'm an all-in guy. So if I say I'm doing this, we're all in 100%. There's, yep. The blinders are on. Sure, there might be a crash and burn right next to me, but I'll just completely miss that. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah. Pretty much. When has been your biggest loss or what has been your biggest loss? Mm. I don't think I've really had a big one yet. I'm waiting for it. I'm I'm a I'm a big I'm a big believer in the longer you go without having a loss or a fuck up, it's gonna be a bigger and bigger and bigger one. Mm-hmm. I haven't really had a big loss. I've had some losses in business, nothing really huge. I've had some losses in my personal life like we all do, but there's nothing that sticks out yet. Yep. I've had a few things I could have done better and I told you so, but yeah, nothing that sticks out. I'm going, that's that's a defining moment. There's nothing there. Do you, do you know what it might? Do you have a have a gut feeling of what it might be? No, not yet. No, I'm I'm pretty good with knowing what I can do and what I can't do within reason. I love a thrill, I love an adventure, but yeah, I think when it comes down to most things, there's some things I might can probably do that, but I know I'm stupid enough not to do it. How fine's that line been? Oh, thin, real thin, like. I've climbed trees that have been lightning strikes. I've climbed trees I can fit my arm through the crack in the tree. I've not just done things that are unsafe. There's always been a good safety net to if everything goes pear-shaped. But in, yeah, it's definitely been, there's been a few times where I reckon I've tiptoed over the line. I've got a, um, I've got a, I've got a little. Little mark there. Yeah, touch chainsaw the other way. If it, if, it, if, it, if it was there, the stick hit me in the face or I dropped a chainsaw and when I dropped a chainsaw, I threw the stick past me and the chainsaw hit me in the hand. That was um, eight stitches. Jesus Christ. Yep. Did that hurt? Adrenaline's a wonderful thing. I was going to say. So when you're up in a tree walking around, you know, it's... I shouldn't say walking around. It's not because it's a fucking staircase up there. Moving around and moving your points and that, it... Your adrenaline's bumping. Mm. 
and you don't think about it because you're used to it now, the first time you flop a top out of a tree and it drops 40 feet to the ground, you feel like your heart's going to explode. It's the coolest thing you ever do in life. But, oh, I think it's the coolest thing you can do in your job. But, yeah, it definitely, when I got on the ground and I realised there was a lot of blood coming out of that and I sort of jammed it down in my pants and then there's blood running down my leg from my pants and, yeah, so into the hospital we went and what happened here and you gotta explain it and then they give you the lecture about chainsaws and you just give them one back going no no I'm actually I'm qualified to do this yeah and yeah <laughs> not qualified to cut myself I've done that a few times but yeah what's the biggest compliment or what's the best compliment that you've ever received I got called an entrepreneur about a month ago yeah yeah I, I I'm not I don't really see myself as that I just see myself as I'm doing what I'm doing and if this ends up being a million dollar business, fucking good on me. We end up being bankrupt. Well, no one can say I didn't give it a crack. Um, you know, like I said before, I'm not out to hurt anybody, put anybody out in the cold. I'm just doing me, and you know, if you know, that's just me. I'm just doing me. What do you think has carried over from obviously the success from EDI and in, and guess all your other business ventures? What yep. certain is it just the all in attitude, or is there things that you avoid doing, or how if you You've got a business tip. What? What? How do you find the success that you found? Take your ego out of it. No one gives a fuck. No one gives a shit about your ego. If you want to do something and it's your passion, like this this grill thing, this this meat thing, I love cooking. I've got my cooking certain various, not various, certain cooking certs to be able to do this legally. Um, it's just I don't see. Obviously, like I said before, there's, there's things stopping people, like financial, family. Mm. There's, there's things mm. you, just, you just can't do. And that's, you know, I understand that. There's businesses I've wanted to start and I've looked at it all and gone, oh, I just fucking can't do it. It just It's going to take too much time away from what makes me me and I'm not going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, if you do want to start that side business or you want to you know, do that weekend job or you want to do something and there's nothing stopping you, just take the step. The worst thing is you lose a month or three months of your life. And, you know, if you've got a full-time job, you're paying your bills and you've got a bit of money spare on the weekends and, you know, you're going, right, I'm not going out in the piss with fucking the boys for the two weekends. I'm going to go all into, you know, fuck, I think it's cool as fuck when people take, sorry, I got off topic here. It's cool as fuck when people take, like, we got a couple of dudes that come out and get scrap timber off us, like logs. They're only old as us, man, and they turn it down, these cool little bowls and plates and shit like that. Mm. And I think that's the fucking coolest thing. I've tried it. There's no patience. I've got no patience for that. I see the stuff they do and like how fine they are. Like this, um, this one dude made me this little box. It's in my office actually. It's made of all different little checkered pieces of um, black wood, red gum, elm, and cypress wood. It's all different motley colours on like this little checker pattern. It looks tits as fuck. He makes them cutting boards, and he spends. I've seen. I've I've been to his house and seen his like little workshop, and half of his garage is his little workshop. His missus car is next to. Him. He's got his little like little wall divider thing like head height and he's got these like little uh circular saw press and little drill press and all this stuff and that's his thing after kids are in bed heads out for an hour at night fucking cuts up 100 little cubes glues them together got this, he's got this little frame thing he puts around i think that sort of thing is cool as fuck if that's your thing and you're good at your craft go all in i'm not saying go to your boss tomorrow tell him to go fuck himself and walk out the door i'm saying you know maybe say to your boss look mate i've been making these on weekends Here's a, you know, this case of cutting board. Can I have a week off to see if I can do this properly? And if he goes, oh, hey, take your holidays and 
we'll see. You know, I think if any boss goes, no, you can't do that, you know, other than, you know, they've got a big workload or something. Mm. Well, he's a bit of a dick, really. Mm, mm. It sounds like you surround yourself with people who have obviously found success. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer of the six and seven rule. You hang around the six people, you'll be the seventh. Yep. So after we started, I started EDI and then it came, all my mates and all that. And then after we got some other businesses that wanted to do work with me and that, and then obviously other companies seen it went, fuck, he's good. We'll use him. And then started getting people's houses for a beer and then go buy out for tea and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden you're surrounded by these people that are successful and they want you to be successful. Mm. So they'll tell you, not little tips and tricks, but it'd be, oh, you know, being your best interest to go and see such and such, you know, they're wanting this done. Oh, okay. Or, you know, oh, we've got this for you. You know, you want to have a look at this with us. And then I suppose when you're around people that aren't competing with you, it's a completely different story. Yep. And you know, half a good a good solid half of my friends are business owners. They employ multitudes of people. They have a lot of equipment or they have big buildings and that. They're just, they're just easy guys like me. They don't, like, you know, one of my good friends, Matt, We'll call each other 10, 10 o'clock at night. Oh, dude, do you want to come over tomorrow? What? Yeah. It's just super cool. And then when you're away from work with people that you work with, it's different. Mm. Like, yeah. There's a, I, I would say I'm a big believer in that six and seven rule. Mm. You, you, hang, you hang out with who you not want to be be with, like want to be, but you hang out with people that have the same interests in mind. Because, you know, it's the old saying, you can't sort like an eagle if you're surrounded by dodos. Hang around with the dogs, you'll catch fleas as well. Pretty much. There's a million there's a million analogies we can use here. But yeah, like not to say some of my friends, you know, they've got you know, normal jobs, they're doing they're doing their own thing and they're happy as fuck. Love it. I love seeing my friends happy. But, you know, if any if any of them ever come to me and said, Look, dude, I've got this idea, what do you think? And they're like, Oh, you know, why are you coming to me? Why aren't you just doing it? Oh, I need, you know, a thousand dollars to buy a three D printer or whatever. Yeah, man, show me your business plan. Like I love, and now I'm in a position now where I can support, you know, if someone comes up with an idea and there's money in it, hey, I'll co-found something with you. But I've got to be interested in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I won't do anything I'm not interested in because then I'm, my theory is I'm not going to give it the full attention because I don't understand it. Yep. We're coming to the end now, man. Good. <laughs> there's a lot, of, a lot of questions in there. Yeah, there is a lot of questions. Um, is there anything you wanted me to ask you but I didn't? You want to talk about the meat thing? Yes, go for it, yeah. All right. Um, so this actually started at a mate's wedding. Uh, a friend of mine got married, was at, at his wedding. This is in the gap of corona when they were allowed to have weddings. Yeah. Eight months ago, six months ago. And a guy that I hadn't met him before, I knew of him. We'd met each other, but we weren't mates or anything. We're at the wedding. And we were, we were said we said something. Oh, on the platters when they come out after the ceremony, they had a cold roast chicken. Cold roast chicken. Cold roast chicken, just like shredded for like your, okay. your nibbles and shit. Oh, that's cool. That's whatever. That's nice. It was nicely presented. That's cool. And we go, I remember saying to, um, it was one of my friends that was there. I'm like, fuck this chicken shit. <laughs> and then this bloke's come over. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh, sorry if you cooked it, but this is absolutely shit. Like you really should have stuffed it or you should have put a rub over it. You should have done something for a wedding. Like this is pretty piss poor. Mm. And he's like, no, no. And he introduced himself. Six months later, Tom Owen Hawk was born. He's got a he's got a really successful career himself, um, and a good portfolio himself. And then he rang me up one day, and he's like, um, "You know, what do you want to do?" And I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "I've seen your Weber collection, dude. I've seen your barbecues. Like, you've got mountains of red gum. You've got mountains of different firewood. What do you? What? What? Why aren't we doing something?" I'm like, "Fucking time. 
and then I was lucky enough, I decided to downsize slightly um, just because I just got sick of chasing work all the time. So I downsized ever so slightly, got rid of our gardening side of things. Mm-hmm. Not got rid of it. We still do um, about 15, 20 lawns a fortnight. And the way my staff does that, he absolutely loves mowing lawns. I don't know why. But anyway, um, I had this bit of free time. Mm-hmm. So me and him sat down a few beers one night. Right, let's build an artesian grill. Now, fuck it, we'll buy one. It'll be heaps easier. Okay, the size we had built was 1,500 mil cooking space across the guts. Yep. Big cooker. Yep, yep. Right. They're about five to 7,000. And no one makes them in Australia because they're over an overseas thing. So as I said, Jason Sims at Sims now was like, we just all my metal work. He's like, yep, come down, we'll have a chat. So we actually sat in his, we actually sat in his, um, cot in his lunchroom, drew out on a piece of paper, this is what we want. Better wait later, rings me up, better come around, your metal's arrived. I'm like, oh, all right. Do it upon himself to have Tomo and Hawk laser cut in the grill plates in the front. Um, week later, it was welded together. Started up and burnt it in the other day. Cooked um, a couple of one and a half kilo tomahawks from Cape Grim on it. And, yeah. So, okay. So, obviously, like meat, yeah? Yeah. What's your best... What's the best bit of meat you've eaten? I reckon it's coming up. So, it, we exclusively use Cape Grim Angus from mm-hmm. Tasmania. The cows walk down the beach. I think that's cool as fuck. So, the farm actually backs on to the uh, east coast of Tasmania. Yep. Some of the most gnarly seas in the world. The cows walk on the beach, man. Like, these cows are relaxed. That's fucking cool. Like, I've, I've, they've emailed me photos of a cow that's down the beach looking at the ocean. I'm going, me too, cow. Me too. <laughs> but, um, you know, they do a good product. I do believe because they're in the salt air and the sand and the coastal wattle and shit, mm. mm. the meat tastes different. Yep. Um, it's a lot more marbled. It's just a good meat. Um, we primarily, you know, you can go to Mayora, get a nice piece of, you know, steak. You're very. They're selling it. They're selling a um experience. Yeah, that's cool as fuck. I know the De Bruin family, some of them, and you know they do a great job of presenting what they've got at Mayora. I think it's great. The chefs come out talk to you. It's great. The aim we've got is bring your mates around. Let's have a beer. So we pr- primarily do big cuts of meat. So your tomahawk can start at 1.3 to 1.2 kilos and up about two and a half kilos. So you're talking without the bone. Bone's about two to 300 grams. Yeah. You're talking at the lowest point, 900 a kilo of meat. And, you know, we'll cook it to your liking. So if you have your steak well done, well done, just, no, nah, mate, just not welcome. out the door. Yep. Do not have that. So it's rare, medium, rare, or medium. I'm a big fan of medium. I'll have a little bit of pink in the center. Yep. Um, but that time, you've got to have a good steak too. And they were, they were the we went directly through our butcher, a good friend of mine as well, to get to it. Um, the other week, they sent us over. They realized that this butcher is using a lot of Cape Grim. So they sent over a box of um, premium short beef ribs with number four marbling on them. I've got these in the fridge at the moment, and I'm tossing up whether to... Uh, do a six or eight hour one in the Weber with the bark on them, or I'm going to reverse sear and then just let them sit in the uh, in a Weber or the um or the big egg for two three hours just to go soft and nice. Man. And then I've also had an argument with my business partner and co-founder of Tomo and Hawk with a are we going to rub them or are we going to baste them or are we just going to soak them in homemade barbecue sauce or a white you know a white Alabama sauce and just let them soak. Man, I've had, um, I went, when I went over to America, I had Texas barbecue. 
meat that's done right mm. is fucking amazing. Yep. So I can do your pork ribs or even a tomahawk that you grab the bone and flick it and meat before. Um, I did beef ribs the other night. They were just standard beef ribs. So, you know, everyone has a perspective. You've got to have good meat. No, I can make a piece of shit taste good. Um, so to prove this point, I got the just the normal everyday drover's ribs from Coles. Yeah. They're not the best cut of meat. There's fat on them, everything else. You can cut that off, leave it on. I don't give a shit. I cut a bit of mine off because I don't want a lot of the juice, a lot of the fat in the bottom. Um, my mate actually dared me for it. So I got a barbecue sauce from Bunnings from six ninety nine, the cheapest thing I could find. Uh, four hours later, you could pull the bones out with your fingers. And that was just done in the oven. That wasn't even, that wasn't even flicking a Weber on. That was just in the oven. You can make any meat taste good. You can make anything taste good. Mm. So the, the idea is with Tomo and Hawk is that, yeah, there's places that do meat. You've got Mayora, you've got The Barn. Um, the G does a really good steak. Mm. Um, hey, I'm not criticising them. I Everywhere I go, I eat steak. Yeah. I, um, we went to we worked in Panola a few weeks ago, demolished a house in Panola. It was real late, so me and one of my staff stayed up there the night. Um, we went to the pub for tea. Now, pubs aren't known for the best steak. Yep. This... Scotch fillet came out, and I swear to God, it's one of the best pubs I've ever eaten in my life. That was the Prince of Wales Hotel in, yep. in um, yep. Panola, yep. and it was fucking good. The mushroom sauce there is tops. I'm not sponsored by them, but that was that was amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, our thing is you get, you know, it's obviously not cheap, but you're getting a big serve of meat, enough, definitely enough for a family of two, or three or four. Yep. And yeah, uh, fire roasted sides. So you got potatoes, you got pumpkin, you got broccolini, you've got a few different things that people would never have heard of. So, what's the best? Where's the best steak? Where have you? Where's just like if you can picture right now, you're like that was ten out of ten. <sighs> Apart from what I've cooked and spent a lot of time in perfecting, probably there's a pub in Apollo Bay. Get the name of it right now. It's up near the up the end, right next to the brewery. Um, that was a seven hundred gram Scotch fillet. Mm. I reckon. I said the chef was there when I ordered it. And he goes, "How do you want it?" I went, "Medium, sixty-five in the center, 60, 65, 67. Take it off the grill at sixty-four because steak cooks about two to three degrees after you take it off." He looks at me and goes. Righto, Captain. I went, all right, well, you're a fucking asshole then. This will come out black as shit, guaranteed. It came out brilliant. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say I was a steak connoisseur. I'm nowhere near a chef, but I know good food when I eat it. And yeah. I don't care about paying for it. If it's good, it's good. I fully agree. Yeah. Fully and, agree. Yeah. But um, what bring you into doing this? Into doing the podcast? Yeah, yeah. I've thought about it, and I just... <clears throat> I don't know. I just couldn't ask people questions. Oh, yeah, nah. Um, I'd, I'd freeze up. I don't know. I think I, I mean, I've, I've said it a couple of times now, but it's it comes back to you have no idea what someone's doing, done, mm. been through until you ask. And I think communication, uh, like face to face, is it's almost dying. It is. It's social media. Mm. And so if I can filter information or give people information, if they want to mm-hmm. listen in on something, if they want to hear an opinion, they don't want to hear an opinion, like, just tune in. If, yeah. that, that's literally it. Yeah. I totally agree with you. There's, out of like, all the social medias and all this stuff, it blocks communication. Mm. Like, it's there to connect, but it disconnects. And, like, <clears throat> I don't, 
<clears throat> I don't think there's any other way. I don't know. I didn't know anything about arborist. This arboristy. Mm. What's the being an arborist? arborist yeah. What's the What's the study of arboristing? Oh, technically. Arboristology. No, technically, it's just horticulture. Horticulture. See, I had no, no so idea. It, about it is arboriculture, but it falls under horticulture. I had no idea. Yeah, there's I a whole. I can guarantee. Like, no one. It's literally a billion dollar industry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's uh, there's actually shops in major cities that only cater to arborists. See, that just blows my mind. Yeah. And I, there's no other way you can filter that information unless you don't go to the source. Exactly. And that's like when I started listening to your podcast before I met you, I'm like, oh, someone recommended me. I'm like, yeah, right. And I had a look at your cars. I'm like, yeah, you've only got this many. I'm like, oh, I'll listen to a couple. And then, like, as I said before, a couple of people on there that I know personally and because I've, I've grown up with sort of. And it's like, I never knew that stuff about them. And I've known of them and been not been around them, but I've known of them for, for a fair while. And mm, some of them are mm. like, wow, like, I never knew that. Mm. And, like, you know, it comes back to you think you know people. Like, yeah, it's, I suppose, you know, what do you... What do you think about it, really? What do you do? That, yeah, that's exactly right. And I thought about a podcast, and I was like, no, oh, fuck, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to wear it. I don't know how to microphone things. I know nothing about that. I'm like, then what am I going to do? You watch up a tree to hang out for an hour? Like, <laughs> hey, that'd be fucking cool. You want to get people in comfort zone? It definitely um, would. And, you know, yeah, I don't know. I just... And I think it comes back to, like, if you don't give it a go, you won't fucking know. Because well, I, I, when I started, I was like, I just listened to them. Why yeah. can't I do it? Yeah, yeah. Give it a crack and... Well, yeah, that's why I, mean. I listen to Joe Rogan. I'm like, fuck, he's just sitting there drinking whiskey. You're like, why can't I do that? And then I come down to, okay, he's got six million viewers. But, you know, it... You start and keep going. You just chip away. And you always hear, you know, success stories, you know, people that have started there. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk's a great one, you know. You can do five years of fucking working your tits off till that one person mm-hmm. gets to it and goes, hey, listen to this guy. And all of a sudden... He might have a hundred thousand influence followers. All of a sudden, fifty thousand are reaching to you, yep. and you know you've made it. That's it. That's. And then from that point onward, you just got to steer the ship. Yeah. So that yeah, that's. Is there anything else you want to ask me? No, I'm good man. Two questions to go, man. Ooh. There is a billboard. It has your name down the bottom. What yeah. is the best tip or saying that you'd like to have on that billboard? I've had a billboard my name. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So, not, <laughs> not me, but the ADI group. I've had a billboard. Um, You're the first person to say that, so that's, that's yeah, kind of cool. I've had a billboard and I've had the front page of the local papers. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I'm happy with that. Um, probably the quote I said before, like, I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks, if we can swear on the billboard. I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks about me because you're not in my fields, you're not me. And, you know, your perception of me, of who I am, because of, like, I've opened up a bit in this podcast, but I'm usually pretty closed um, on everything, except for good friends and my family, obviously. But, yeah, just don't let anyone get in your feels and just do what you want, within, yeah. within reason, obviously, but do what you want to do, because at the end of the day, you know, relationships come and go, friends come and go, well, most of them, you know, you've only got yourself to look at. And if you're not happy in your own life, how can you be happy somewhere else? I like that a lot. I've been through stages in my life where, fuck, I've just thought, fuck, what have you been a dumb prick for? What are you doing this for? Mm. Like, I went through a stage there probably a couple of years ago where, you know, we do, you know, good jobs and big jobs and that, and we get paid a lot of money, and then I'd go and update our, I'd go and update chainsaws, I'd go and update something. I'm like, why the fuck did I do that? I didn't have to do that. Yeah. And then, yeah, so, as I said, got smarter, business evolved, had to, and then, yeah, 
just dealing with, dealing with in your feels. That's all it is. You are you. And that, yeah, that that's exactly right. Yeah. All right. Last question. Ooh. If someone's listening to this episode and there's one thing that you want them to take away from our chat, what do you want that to be? Don't hate me. <laughs> um, no. Probably just don't let people tell you what you should be doing. Well, obviously, your, your parents, your friends, your brothers just give you advice. That's great. Take it on board. I do. I listen to everybody most of the time and take it, take it on advice of, you know, what, you know, just advice. Never take advice from someone that's below where you are. Yep. So if you're a manager, don't don't take advice from the cashier. Yep. They might have good advice. Great, listen to them, but you don't take it on board if it doesn't make sense. Mm. And don't waste time taking things on board that won't matter in a day or a week or a month because it's you. You'll I've lost so much time caring what one person has said, and it's made me fuck up a whole bunch of other things because I'm worrying about what Joe Blog said about me on fucking Facebook last yep. week. Yep. And then, like, when we removed Elm Lane, I won the tender. I had nothing to do with removing those trees. I just won the tender. And I got a pasting on Facebook. Oh, I was the worst company in the world. Fuck, the things that were said about me were fucking downright disgusting. And one of my good friends owns a large forestry company, rang me up and said, don't take it to heart. They don't know you and they don't know anything about it. They're just bored keyboard warriors. Mm. So then what I'd take out of that is... If, you, if you've got the idea and you've got the heart for it, go for it. If you're young, you're only going to lose a bit of time. If you're old, you know, you might lose a bit of money and some time. You've still got it. We've all got time. And I, I've sucked recently at giving time to areas of my life I should have. But at the same time, you know, there's areas of my life where I've given time and it's paid off. Yep. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, man. That's right, man. So if you've listened to this and uh, you've taken some value of it, take a screenshot, share it on your socials. That's been working really well lately. Also, if there's someone you'd like me to try and get onto the show, uh, send me a DM. I've, I've received a fair few and some things are in the works, so hopefully uh, they come to fruition. But other than that, man, I'll leave it there. Thanks, man. Cool.